When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kia ora, good morning and welcome into Izzy and Kempi for breakfast at four past six on your Thursday morning. And uh, well, Kempi finished up yesterday. He's already messaged me from the airport at about five o'clock. That man never sleeps uh, saying bulla bulla because he is off to Fiji today. And uh, that means we have a bit of a hole to fill in the studio. And uh, what better way to fill a hole in the studio than Mark Richardson? Good morning to you, sir. Yeah, morning, morning. Oh, you've gone to the bench again, haven't you? Although you've probably, no, you've pulled someone out of retirement. <laughs> I vowed never to bat again and I was here, what, less than a month ago. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Enjoyed it back. so much. I'm, I'm back for another bat. Yeah, mate. Well, speaking of batting, uh, the, the Black Caps batted uh, uh, overnight in the uh, test against Bangladesh day two. Of course, had to get uh, Bangladesh out of there first. Tim Southey, first ball of the day. Bang, wicket, all right, thanks very much. Let's take a 10-minute break and uh, have an innings break and, and get us to bat. But uh, didn't go all the Black Caps way. It seems to be, if you look through the Bangladeshi innings and then you look through our innings, a lot of starts, but it must be quite a difficult pitch to bat on uh, because no one really going on with it except Captain Kane. Yeah, he's brilliant, isn't he? Another 100, another Test 100. He's just... It's he's staggeringly good, mm. it's, and he's been out of the game for a bit. Came straight back into the World Cup, looked like he never left. Scored runs, now scores a hundred with back to the wall sort of hundred as well. By the looks of it, with wickets going around him, no real momentum, not feeling like you're ever getting in front of the game, and he just churns it out. Um, but yeah, struggling a little bit. Mm. I, I can I, I can see how they, they're playing Bangladesh in one day is in Bangladesh is tough. We've struggled. Always been a lot better than them in test matches. But they they, they are getting better and they're good in their own environment. The, the spinners bowl a lot of deliveries at you. And they are really good at just slowly chipping you out if you can't if you can't put pressure on them. Mm. Um, and it looks like that's been the case. Uh, you know, the, the, I, I see Phillips got 40, so he's, he's justified his place there. And Mitchell got uh, some runs as well, got out stumps, so obviously trying to put pressure on Bangladesh. So they, they've, you know, they've got New Zealand. New Zealanders uh, behind the game now and have got plenty of work to do. And that's when you expect your better side to be able to, over five days, actually drift to the top. Bangladesh will have to pick, will have to be able to weather the storm again when they bat. Uh, they might, they'll, they'll, they'll find themselves in a rare position of strength, mm. perhaps. And and that's that's where you almost need more belief when you're in front of a side that's meant to be better than you to capitalise on it. So there's a long way to go on this test, but without a doubt, New Zealand's struggling somewhat. Yeah, 44 runs behind with two wickets in hand. I always, I always look at that and go, well, one of those wickets is Tim Southey. What's he going to do? Because we know he's a capable enough batsman, he just seems to have that, and maybe, I don't know, having some captaincy will change things, but he always just seems to be like, oh, let's get this over with so I can get the ball in my hand again. Well, he's better off just having a whack. Yeah. If he gets a quick 20, we get close to them. Uh, he's not He's not going to get as close by pushing and prodding. It, it's, it doesn't work with him psychologically. Yeah. So, yeah, he could just have a little bit of a swing. Um, you know, there's some batting ability all the way down, and you know that he's not going to be frightened by quicks in those conditions, and... 
and the spinners he quite likes. So he, he should just have a have a fly. Uh, hopefully New Zealand get a little bit close, get some parity, and then let's go again. Yeah, let's go again. Now, uh, Kane Williamson, you mentioned, he, he did bring up 100, 104 before being bowled by Tigel Islam, who was the best of the Bangladeshi uh, bowlers. Uh, Kane Williamson now has 29 test centuries, rigor, which brings him level with two of, I suppose, a modern great and, an, and, a, and, a, and a great from the past. Who do you reckon those two are? Well, I know, because you told me out in the office. <laughs> was, it was your big quiz out in the office. Yeah, well, well, yeah, but I thought yeah. I, I, I'd lay the platform for you, so you come out, <laughs> come up like the guru. Don't sound like I, I, I didn't get anywhere near it. Um, so the Don, the great Don Bradman, 29. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and oh, Virat Kohli. Virat Kohli. Who isn't finished yet. 35, though, isn't he? 35 years old. Mm. Is he really? Has he got that old? Or... Ah, he's, but he's super fit, and he still seems to have a lot of enthusiasm. He's got a few more years, hasn't he, Virat Kohli? You, you'd give him another couple of seasons. Well, I guess it depends. If you're Virat Kohli, he is 35. What does he do? Like You've just won a, um, or lost a World Cup at home. Does he just go, look, I'm just in it for the bank now. I'm 35. I'll get a, another three or four years at IPL and then be done. Or do you go, my love of the game came from test cricket and I'm going to forget the white ball stuff and just do this and, and try and set some records? He strikes me as one of those person, people that just loves loves playing, which is the same as Kane. Kane, mm. I think Kane just loves the, the pure mechanic of batting. That, that's where he gets his enjoyment in the game. And I, I sense Coley's the same. He likes to compete and he just likes to bat. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's probably... I see players like that have have more longevity in the sport than those who I think are driven by a certain goal and they reach that goal, then they have to go, do I want to set another goal? Do I really want to do that? I've, I've achieved everything I wanted to achieve. Often you see those guys go a little bit sooner, but people who just love to play the game. Mm. And every day, when you listen to Kane talk about batting, every day is a new challenge for him. Because every game's a bit different, and his his thing is just going, okay, what's the situation today? How do I need to bat, and then try to bat that way? And that's where he gets his pleasure. I feel mm. rather than going, wow, well, how many hundreds is he got? I'll knock him off. That used to motivate Ross Taylor, I believe, yeah. but I don't think it it, it motivates um, Kane. I think he just likes the art of of batting, getting out there and doing it. Yeah. Spending some time in the middle, all right. Um, we uh, do have some questions for you. We call it the triple threat. Let's get into it. All right, Rick. I know a lot of people are going to. Uh, we have a lot of people going to go with this, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you the opportunity to, to answer this first. Uh, Richie McCaw completed the five passes endurance mountain bike race. He came home all beat up after the fall. Gemma put some pictures up. Uh, like scrapes and he'd fallen off. He had like basically um, grazed most of his back and shoulder. Um, and then they found out that he had a bro- he'd competed most of it with a broken rib after the uh, after that fall. Uh, it never seemed to bother him pain, did it, Richie McCord, regardless of what he was doing. Uh, what's the most pain you've played through? Was it, was it the cramp or was it something else? Oh, at the time, the cramp was pretty bad. Mm. But I do remember we, we came out from South Africa with a trip where everyone was getting injured. And questions have been asked about the training, what was happening, and you know, were we doing something wrong? And, and New Zealand cricket got a little bit defensive over it, and I put my back out <laughs> at training. And you know, anyone who's put their back out knows how painful that can be. Yeah. So I spent most of the of the the session just lying on my back, unable to move in the changing shed, out of sight. 
And then uh, the manager came in and said that the media is asking for you. We need to put someone in front of the media. They're specifically wanting you to go and talk. You need to go and talk to them, but you can't. You can't show that you're in pain. <laughs> and my back was just doing spasms, and I was trying to do stand-up interview. It took me probably 15 minutes to get off the floor. It's so it was yeah, it was horrible. And the other time was I broke my thumb in Australia and had to play two tests with a broken thumb, and not tell anyone either. And I couldn't that? time anything. Not that I timed in the ball very well at all, but I couldn't. It was my bottom hand, and I just couldn't get any power into any shot. And yeah, like I wasn't great in Aussie anyway, but it didn't help having a broken thumb for two tests. No, especially I mean, who was who was on the other side? Who had the ball? Brett Lee. Oh, yeah, that's not that's not ideal. McGrath hitting the top <laughs> of the bat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nah. Gillespie bowling a, a mid one forties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's far from ideal. All right, there you go. That is number one. Round two. Now Tiger Woods uh, is back, right? And he reckons he'll play till he feels like he can no longer win. And I read that and I went, aren't you, you think there it's now, already? Don't you? Yeah, I think it's now. <laughs> what do you, re- I mean, oh. as, as a golfer, what do you think? Well, he wants to win. Go and play the seniors or the masters or whatever mm. they call it now, the over 50s. He'll yeah. win a few of those. Like, I, I don't care. It's like, I, it's just nice to have those guys out there. Mm. It was like Roger Federer, when he reached a point where he wasn't going to win a, a, a slam any longer. It's even if if he makes the quarters, at least you get to watch the great Roger Federer. I can remember going and watching Sevi Ballesteros, and he he struggled to, and he was likely at that point a top one along the ground. I didn't care. It was the great (laughs) Sevi Ballesteros, and to see him out there, you you know, my memory will be of him being the great magician and 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 artist. Um, And so just to see Tiger, if he's part of the field, if he struggles to make the cut, he's still there. You remember him at his best. And it's just fantastic for fans, so long as he's not taking some young person's place. Well, that, my point is, he said he'll play till he can no longer win, and he's not talking about the senior tour because he can't play that for another three years. And I look at it and go, does he really believe he can still win? Oh, probably. Well, that's that's the strength that those guys have, isn't it? Mm. It's that, that utter belief. I, I reckon Tiger willed the putts into the hole. When he needed a putt, it was just pure the strength of mind and willing the ball and determination to put it from here into that hole. It's using that, the force. That, yeah, he, he's a really I, – I think he, the other thing he said is that he loves to compete. Yeah. And I think that that's the thing. That's where he feels he can compete. If he went to the to the seniors and all of a sudden started winning a whole lot of things and he felt, well, it's actually a little easy because the, the courses are set up to do well. These guys are all getting a bit old. Some of them, you know, they're never going to win again. And it's a bit of a just a – a sort of a, a relaxed trip around the country. I don't think he'd get the enjoyment of winning in that sense. I think he feels to win, he has to beat the best. Has to has to be challenged. You reckon he's got Jedi mind powers? Oh, I, yeah. I just you know those people I've, who who are so determined that it's the determination over the skill that gets the job done when it really matters. Yeah, they just refuse to be beaten. It's that will to win. Yeah, and that's what Tiger, without a doubt, had. Uh, Greg Murphy has said that he's a terrible teacher, despite both his sons being competitive drivers. Uh, he said that his sons would tell you that he he's absolutely horrible as a teacher because he doesn't have any patience. How would you go coaching your kids in the art of, I don't know, spin bowling or batting? <laughs> First of all, does Greg Murphy, he, he sort of 
Should he be saying that since he now has a driver education training <laughs> business? He should be saying he's a great teacher. I mean, people are sending their kids to him to learn to drive. drive. Yeah. Mm, yeah, just don't send them his kids, apparently. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not. No, I, I coached my son's um, – well, no, I was, I was, the, the, um, I was the, the technical advisor to my son's um, little cricket team when he was young, and I quite enjoyed it, actually. You got to, with kids, you got to find a different way of, you know, sort of coaching. Yeah. Less technique, more just attitude. I found if you talk, got a bit of attitude into the kids that, you know, the skill followed. Um, you know, like running like you mean it. Yeah. Runs, and things, things like that. Um, but I'm a rubbish coach. Really? I, yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not a coach. I've found that out pretty quick. Yeah. I, I can sit and I can talk to, uh, let's say, good, you know, elite cricketers. I can sit there and I can talk and I can talk through some of the the higher level sort of mental skills associated with the game. But I'm not a nuts and boltsy coach person. You couldn't go into like Robbie's um, grade cricket team and make them better. No. They, they would just make me worse as a person. <laughs> that's the only thing that's happening there. All right, okay. Because, you know, Robbie has some skill with the ball. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he, he took took four for, uh, six for 17 off 11 the other day. And playing that, what is it, the last man stand stuff? No, or, no, no, playing proper grade cricket. Oh, really? Yeah. Handy. Handy. A few back issues, apparently. So uh, it doesn't have the express pace anymore now that he's, now that he's a grand old age of 24. Yeah. Yeah, but it goes all right, mate. It goes all right, apparently, <laughs> so he tells us. Well, so. good luck to him. Yeah. I must admit, I do drive past the park now on a Saturday and look at people playing and go, I'm glad that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> we did have a text through here uh, from Chris. Uh, we were talking about Virat Kohli before. He said, I read yesterday that Kohli's pulled out of the White Bull Tour of South Africa, but will be available for the tests. Great. That's what you want to hear, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Prioritise it. Yeah, 100% prioritise it. So yep. Keep your texts rolling through to us. Double eight, double three. But that's where his legacy, that's where his legacy will be left and what he does in test cricket now. We know he's a great one-day cricketer, but his legacy and his, his pure greatness will be will end up being more closely tied to what he's done in test cricket. Yeah. Try and win a World Test Championship before he retires. Yeah. Yeah, that sort of thing. I mean, that's the pinnacle, isn't it, if you're a cricketer? They've had a couple of goes at it, haven't oh, they? They are the ultimate chokers, aren't they? Well, don't say that to them. Well, I'm, I'm not. I'm saying it to you. <laughs> no, no, you know. I'm going to get a lot of hate out of India all of a sudden on my Twitter line. Uh, oh, heck yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Texas double eight double three. what are your thoughts on that? Uh, Richie McCaw, playing through the pain, uh, completing that mountain bike race uh, with a broken rib. What's the most pain you've played through? Uh, Tiger reckons... He'll play till he can no longer win. I reckon he's already there. What do you think? Double eight, double three. We want to hear from you. That is the Temper Bedpost text machine. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, keeping you healthy this spring. 6.23, good morning, uh, 0800 or double eight double three is the Temper Bedpost text, me- text machine. Temper Bedpost, a range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. And just during the break there, uh, Rigger, Brian, who uh, is one of Smithy's producers, popped his head in, and he said, hey, you know that Richie McCall story? So after he did that five-day mountain bike thing where you go over all the passes in the Southern Alps, and came home with all those scrapes and a broken rib. Yeah. Next day, he jumped on a plane, went and played around a golf. Yeah, so he was hamming it up, wasn't he? There was nothing wrong with it. <laughs> Obviously. Doing it for 
for the media coverage. Yeah, he's just he's just want he just wants the attention. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I can't think of anything worse than trying to swing a golf club with a broken rib. Can no, you? No, that would that would be, yeah. Although when you're riding a bike, I guess over bumps, that's not going to be very pleasant. Pleasant, but when you're you're sort of when you're swinging the golf club, you're sort of stretching your rib cage. Aren't yeah, you? yeah, exactly. It's all that rotation. Yeah, nothing wrong with him. Nothing wrong with him. It's just hard <laughs> nut, mate. Hard nut. What are you on about? What are you on about? He's just doing it for sympathy. Yes, because I, I mean, I did. I did. I have to say, when I read that story, uh, the first thing that Gemma said in the story was he came home from five days mountain biking with all these scrapes, and I threw the three girls at him. Um, yeah. So they've obviously got three daughters. Punishment for being away. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. maybe that's why he's hamming it up. So he, he doesn't doesn't have the three girls thrown at him, and he can get some he can get some love and attention at home and not be punished for being well, away. Well, she actually five did days. throw them at him. That's very dangerous if you've got a broken rib. <laughs> very depends, responsible. Depends on the size of the children too, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and are they able to, to, you know, if you miss, are they able to sort of formulate their own landing without hurting themselves? Maybe it was the golf organisers put her up to it. Like you throw the kids at him and if he catches them, there's nothing wrong with them and send them down the golf course. <laughs> Perfect. How do you reckon that would be, mate? If you if if you were away doing something like that for five days, came home all beat up and broken after, you know, leaving uh, the, the better half to... To hold the fort and then disappeared the next day to go play golf. No, there's no hall pass. Once, once, if you've been away doing something, it doesn't matter what shape you come back in. Yeah, you've got family time. Mm. That is, that is your number one responsibility. Yeah, you're not going to get any sympathy <laughs> at home. No, I, so, I, so I read that story. It, it did, it did actually read like a work of fiction <laughs> from my end. I don't know about you. No, nah, well, you know. Even Richie, you, do, you can, man, you can yeah, do anything. Yeah, Sir Richie. Mm. Sir Richie, yeah, indeed. All right, keep your text Probably was through. carrying one of the daughters in one arm while he was playing golf and <laughs> shot three under. He had the other two on the back of the mountain bike. It's a way of laughing. It's a way of laughing. Double eight, double three. Uh, with your text, I'd love to hear from you. We've got uh, some Champions League football about to get underway out of... Europe and uh, tell you what the game between Manchester United and Galatasaray uh, very nearly called off due to heavy rain, but apparently is going to go to go ahead. Uh, did you? I don't know if you saw it. Why do they call for, um, football games off? They really do it, don't they? It'd have to be flooding or something mm. like that. Yeah, that, well, that's the thing. I think, like I looked at the pitch because they, they, I, I'm a United fan, right? And I, I was waiting for the team lineups to come through this morning, and then. There was a story about, oh, you know, the game uh, game might be called off due to heavy rain. And but, I was like, that's got to be pretty heavy. Yeah. But then again, I, I start to think with sport at the highest level like that, you, you've paid your money to go and watch a really good standard of of sport. Yeah. In this case, football. And if you have conditions that are going to make it ho-hum, yeah, I know it's a contest and it's interesting to see who can who'll get in front at the end of the day, but I think it, it's as much entertainment as it is. A, a job for them, uh, as it is a competition. And if if you're going to get a, a substandard product, I think at that level they should they should be prepared to call things off if you, if it's not going to allow for a high level of skill. Yeah, I think the the problem you have is with UEFA and all the TV deals, right? It's the TV deals everywhere and and the money tied up in those. And then you also have the fixture congestions. If you cancel it today, you got to fit it in somewhere else. An insurance. Then you got to pay out. You have insurance payout. Then your premiums go up. Yeah, and you've only got two weeks before the next round of matches, and that's the last round of matches for the group stage. Yeah. 
Getting so, points. Get, yeah. Mm, but if you're a better side, um, rubbish conditions are great levelers as well. Well, they so are. So do you want to take the risk? That's a good question, actually. Do you, do you want to take the risk? I, I looked at it and I went, oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's certainly going to even the playing field. I think United have got the sort of players that would enjoy that a bit more. People like Scott McTominay, you know, just yeah. real battlers. Yeah. Uh, but then I had a look at the Galatasaray team. And I'm, I don't follow Turkish, Turkish football uh, a lot, to be fair. Uh, but boy, I recognise some names. Mauro Akadi, who's the ex-PSG uh, Napoli forward. He's playing, he's up front. Wolf Zaha from Crystal, used to be at Crystal Palace. Yeah. Yeah, he's on one wing. Ziyech, the uh, Chelsea playmaker, is on the other. Uh, Dries Mertens from Napoli, the Belgian internationals, at 10. And then Ndombele, who's ex-Spurs. Yeah. And Torreira, ex-Arsenal. Well, uh, are in the midfield. It's a big club. They're not going to be that shy of cash, are they? No, they're not. And it's, it's actually, I think, all bar four of them are ex-Premier League players in that Galatasaray team. Angelino's ex-Man City as well, so it could be a decent scrap. But can they play in the rain? Can they, can they play? Can you do it on a cold night in Stoke on a Tuesday? <laughs> yeah. That is the ultimate question. That is the ultimate question. So that game kicks off. In 15 minutes, Galatasaray $2.60, Manchester United $2.50, so very close in that market. The draw is at $3.60. Manchester United need to win this if they want to progress in the tournament. So they need to play. They need to play because, yeah, they, it hasn't, they haven't been going great, it's got to be said. They are, uh, well, Bayern Munich have already won the group. They're on 12 points. Then it's FC Copenhagen, Galatasaray on four, and United on three. Yeah, they they do need to win. Yeah, hundred percent. It's quite tight though, isn't it? Yeah, it's really tight. But a win here uh, puts them in the driver's seat. So there you go. Uh, that game kicks off in fifteen minutes. Let's catch up with Araha for the latest in news with Kubota. Kubota's in stock catalogue is out now. Twenty seven away from seven here on SENZ. It is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Flight Centre's big red sale is on with limited time offers on flights, cruises, holidays, and tours. Book now. To save big uh, time for some sports news headlines, and Rick, you will be well aware of just uh, how the rivalry between we call, I don't even know if you call it a rivalry. That might be a bit too lightweight uh, between India and Pakistan is um, not just around cricket, but around everything. Well, is it only really one of the great sporting rivalries because the nations have been at war, and I think mm. technically still are at war. Something like that. Uh, Indian police arrested seven students in the Kashmir under anti-terror laws for celebrating Australia's victory over India. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah. That's probably the biggest crime you can commit yeah. in that country, I'd imagine. Yeah, it's up there, right? So <laughs> that, uh, the police uh, have said that seven students from an agricultural university were detained last week after a student filed a complaint accusing them of raising anti-India slogans and cheering for Pakistan along with Australia after the match. Yeah, not good. You, you want to do that out of the sight of the authorities. By the way, what was your thoughts on Mitchell March with his feet on the trophy? Did you see that? It caused, caused a bit of a brouhaha over there. I don't like, yeah, I'm not a big, like. I don't, I don't like people putting feet up on desks or putting feet up on tables and things like that. And for me, it's kind of the same. It's like a, it's almost a lack of respect. It, I get, it's more, not, a, see, the, it was sort of tabled in India as a lack of respect for India, but it wasn't their World Cup. No. No, I don't own it. No, I don't think it's a lack of respect. He's not respecting India's World Cup. This is the World Cup. Yeah, you probably don't put your feet on it, but it was quite a casual sort of photo. You're sitting there, you won the World Cup, job done, hard job, feet up on it. 
It was a little. I thought there was too much made of it that needed to be made of it. Was it a little bit like I've got? I'm resting a foot on it, like I've conquered this. Yeah, it, was just, it just felt like just no. It felt just like uh, you know, job done. Fantastic. Gee, that was hard work. You know, yeah. feet up on on the cup, having a beer. Yeah. Because at that point, it's Australia's cup. So the is. outrage that was in there, it's like, hold on, guys, they're not disrespecting you. It's not your cup. No, it's not. Your, it's only ever been your cup twice. And at that point in time, it's Aussie's cup. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, I mean, that's the thing with India is they are obviously the biggest cricket nation in the world, and the BCCI um, dictate a lot to the ICC mm. uh, because, just because of the TV revenue and the money that they make. But if you actually look at it, they haven't actually won that much. They've only ever won the Cricket World Cup twice. Well, like, you, you, yes, fantastic side, uh, played the game in a great way, uh, consistently over the over recent history, one of the finest sides. You respect their cricketing ability. But I don't like it when countries or and, and fans of those countries seem to demand respect. Mm. It's like, no, respect is given to you. And if someone decides they're not going to give you that respect, well, that's their choice. Yeah, you're, well, you've got to earn it. Yeah, and, and they have. Don't get me wrong. They mm. have earned. They've earned my respect and admiration. But if someone decides that, no, they're not quite ready to, to give them the respect <laughs> that they want, then that's that person's choice. Respect is given to you. You don't, you don't take it and you don't demand it. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. And uh, I mean, I've seen it firsthand because obviously when we had Brendan McCullum do breakfast here for a little while, we had Grant and Elliot's done shows and things before as well. And if you talk cricket with those guys and it involves in any way India and then gets put on socials, blows up because there's so many Indian cricket fans on Twitter. And, you know, that tends to be where they go. And, boy, if you say anything against, like, I don't know, Sachin or Virat or any of those guys or against India in general, even if it's not a dig-dig, it's just a, hey, they weren't very good in that game. Oh, man, honestly, it's like it's the worst crime you could possibly commit. Well, I view it as a bit of a mark of respect, too. You're the big dog now. You're the one everyone's gunning for. You're mm. the one everyone wants to win. And if they're gonna trash talk you a bit, you got to take it. You do. It's it's it in a way. It's we we fear you as a cricketing nation now. We desperately want to beat you as a cricketing nation. Um, so you're a target. We and and we're not going to bow down. No, to to mark a respect. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. Hundred percent. I agree with you totally. Uh, another story. Raul Dravid's going to stay on as Indian coach. Following uh, the extension of his contract, which had expired after the World Cup, the BCCI didn't reveal the duration of the extension, but it is likely to cover the T20 World Cup in the Windies and the US in June next year. The BCCI engaged in productive discussions with Rahul Dravid after the term of his contract had ended and unanimously agreed to further the tenure, is the statement that they released. Are you surprised at that? Do you think, did you think because they lost at home the way they did, he was going to have to fall on a sword? I think he's the type of guy who doesn't upset people, mm. which is probably when you want to have longevity in the Indian cricketing role. Don't get too political. Um, just, you know, be a good man manager and stay in the background just a little bit and, yeah. and be, be respected. And I love the fact that there he is, he's going to do that. He wasn't a great T20 cricketer. But he clearly can coach the game. You don't have to be good at the, you don't have to be good at the specific skill to be able to help others be good at it. Yeah, you just need to understand it and be understand how to how to get the best out of people. Which which Rahul, I I, I think politically coaching the Indian side would be a difficult job. 
I think you need to be able to read a room really well and read the wider political room around Indian cricket well and, and um, probably something that Rahul does really well. Well, it's, it's interesting because they've, they've had a lot of uh, non-Indian coaches Indian cricket, haven't they? Which, given what you talk about, maybe that has worked in the past because they are outside of the whole um, the politics of it all. Well, uh, John Wright did very well for them. I can just imagine him sitting in the corner of the dressing room just smoking cigarettes, you know, <laughs> looking at people. And every now and then he just goes, it's, it's, it's your day today, mate. Yeah. Oh, I feel good feel about you. And then he'll go back and smoke some more. In the corner. And Satch and go get 100. Yeah, yeah. and then go for yeah. It was all down to what John Wright said to be in the dressing room. Yeah. 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 Well, and because that is a, at that level of sport, we were talking about this the other day in terms of Kiwis coaching. You don't need to teach those guys necessarily how to bat or how to bowl. You just need to get them up. Go and power them. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it's a man management role rather than a technical coaching role as such. Which is something that I think um, Stephen Fleming does. Does well. I, th- I think Stephen Fleming's a very good money money ball sort of operator. Yeah, over there in the sides, he's had wonderful success. Then you got McCullum, who is that amateur psychiatrist, or they he'd <laughs> psychologist. Yeah, he'd, he'd take uh, he'd take offence to me calling an amateur. Well, and he'd see himself as a professional one now. <laughs> but that's his thing, you know, empowering yep. people, making them feel good about themselves, sending out there to perform and have the courage to do so. Yeah, he'd, he'd just show you his account and go. That look like an, I'm an I'm an amateur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that the balance of an amateur? Is that an amateur's balance? Yeah. What's going you on? You tell here? me. You tell me. Come on. How many amateurs get paid that much? <laughs> Not too many. Not too many. Uh, at the end of day two of the first test against Bangladesh, the hosts led by uh, lead by 44 runs. The Black Caps still have two wickets in hand. New Zealand batting lineup. All got starts, but only Kane Williamson kicked on the scoring. 104 he got, equaling Don Bradman and Virat Kohli on 29 test centuries. For Bangladesh, it was spinner Tyjal Islam, who led the attack dismissing Latham, Mitchell, Sodi and Williamson to finish the day with figures of 4 for 89. Southey and Jamison will start day three at the crease at 4.30 this afternoon in New Zealand time. Uh, interesting that three now is where you can watch that. But I did see the other day because we've got the uh, the home summer of cricket rig and uh, TVNZ have announced their commentary team. Yeah, luckily I was one of them. Like, well, <laughs> one of them, mate. You're front and centre. It looks like you're the captain. No, heck no, not the captain. That's Scotty. Scotty Stevenson. He's, oh. he's, he's the main man. He's the anchor. Um, but no, I'm so stoked to be involved again. Uh, so obviously TV uh, TVNZ have it for... Uh, for the next three years. So yeah. it'd be nice to be involved for the next three years. Uh, you get a lot of it on Duke, TVNZ Plus and, and TVNZ. It's, and it's it's all free. It's all, if anyone can watch, you don't have to work out how to download it or what you need to do. It, it's, it's all there. And it's such an important season, I feel, for New Zealand cricket with that opportunity to really grow the amount of eyes who are watching them this yeah. summer. Yeah, well, I, I looked at it because you are very much front and centre and you're holding the bat and no one else has got a bat. So you look like the captain of the team in the promo shot. Oh, is that in the big team one? Yeah. Yes, well, it was actually Craig McMillan in the middle of that photo. Oh, was it? But then I think it came down to heights. Ah, uh, yes. And what we were dressed. Yeah. I think I might have been dressed in something that was, I think he was clashing with those around him, which is not it's not uncommon for Macca to clash with it's, those it's around him. He's also the only one wearing a hat. Yeah, so we needed to chuff him off the He's side. He's got the, the old flat yeah. cap on. So uh, it is yourself, Grant Elliott, Craig McMillan, Rebecca Rolds, Frankie McKay, and Katie Martin, and then of course Scotty Stevenson. 
uh, who wins, I think, wins the hype battle. It'd be between him and... Uh, sneaky tall. Yeah, he is. It'd be between him and the jab, I think, as to who's the tallest. Uh, but it did make me think... Well, that's seven, right? So it's not an 11. But, I mean, where is Scotty in that batting lineup? If this, if this, if this commentary team does actually have to go and play a game? Have you seen him play? Has he got skills? I don't know what his club cricket career was like, if he, if he had one. He's he's okay. I think he's okay. He can hold a bat. Yeah. He he. Well, he's like he, he's like the you know the guy that I, I played a lot of what I'd call jazz hat cricket mm-hmm. in England, and um, you'd have a bloke who drove a nice car and had a really good job jazz in the money markets in London, <laughs> yeah. who always seemed to bat eight, didn't yeah. bowl, but captain the team. <laughs> <laughs> what are you offering? <laughs> but yeah, just offered some leadership and, yeah. and a little bit of a hoity-toity way about them, and. Yeah. And then you know they they always seem to have you know an amazing looking wife who turn up after the after the game, and they they buy the rounds the first couple of rounds they're absolutely invaluable to your team. Yes, now now I understand. Yeah, yeah, a reasonable twelve when they batted. That wasn't <laughs> yeah. wasn't a disaster. Yeah, okay, okay, and that's 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 where you put sumo roughly around there. Yeah, and and when it was your turn to bowl, it was always very polite. Would you, would you like to bowl at, uh, at at the southern end there, mate? It'd be wonderful if you do that for us. <laughs> All right, okay, just this once though, <laughs> just this once. But no, strong commentary team, mate. Looking forward to it. Uh, you'll be looking forward to getting back behind the mic for that. Yeah, it, it will be. It's it's a similar side to or team commentary team to what we had over the last three years with Spark, um, and they didn't really want to change it much. We'd created quite a nice little culture there. Yeah, so we're all really looking forward to it. Well, I think um, Frankie McKay. I've had her on a, a, a fair bit uh, on this station. Doing stuff, and she gives some really, really good insight. She's, I think, I think she's really underrated as a commentator. She, and she comes with her own opinions, yeah, and she'll give you. She definitely won't give you cliches. She'll give you what she what she genuinely thinks, yeah. and she's got a good uh, good way of presenting it as well. Yeah, so no, I look forward to that. Of course, we'll have uh, the summer of cricket here on SENZ as well for uh, if you're at the beach, out on the boat, in the garden, etc. You can chuck it on the old uh, wireless and tune in. Keep your texts rolling through, double eight, double three. We'll get to more of those shortly. Uh, right now, uh, we'll take a break and come back with Love Racing. It's 10 away from 7 o'clock here on SENZ. Izzy and Kempi for breakfast, Ricardo and Mark Richardson. And with you, find a thoroughbred race day at events.loveracing.nz. And had a tip come through this morning from Kev. Uh, Kevin Tirarangi, he is out walking uh, the pipeline. He said, the Blackbird's just starting to sound. Hey, look at Tarapa, Saturday, race two, Nakaya. $4.50, Warren Kennedy on board. Now, Warren Kennedy's a guy uh, who I haven't, like, as a casual racing fan, haven't heard a lot about as a jockey until recently. Like, his name's just started to get dropped in and dropped in and dropped into more conversations. And looking at it, the Jockeys Premiership, he is now, he's currently leading the Jockeys Premiership in New Zealand this season, ahead of people like Opie Bosson, uh, Mike McNabb, uh, Sam Spratley, Sir Press. He's got 53 wins this season, and uh, he's won over 2.2 mil. So he's, he's snuck up. He's snuck up, mate. He's well, not surprising because he'd be a little fella. Yeah. Well, Easier <laughs> for little fellas to sneak up, isn't it? <laughs> that is true. Yeah. So I did see a story about there's a former jockey that's become a policewoman just recently, and I was like, oh, because it used to be you had to be six foot tall to be a cop. No, they've taken all those sort of restrictions yeah. out. Yeah. And that was the first thing I thought. was like, are you big enough to be a police person? 
No, it just hit you around the shins with your PR24. <laughs> That'll hurt. That'll take you down. Actually, take, take, sweep the knee. We was having a conversation with Kimpy the other day about he remembered a couple of kids that he went to school with having a scrap. And he said one was a bigger bloke and one was this little Pakeha kid. He said, but the little Pakeha kid must have played football or something. He said he had these, these black boots, uh, black shoes on. He said every time the bigger kid got near him, he just kicked him in the shin. And the, the bigger <laughs> kid ended up just going away. He didn't want a bar of it because his shins hurt just too much. Chop him down. Just one just, kick at a time. Yeah, just I know that pipeline. Was it Kev out there on the pipeline? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah I know yeah. that pipeline out at Titarangi. Well, it's it's where you blow up on the Legend Marathon. Oh, really? Yeah, you got to run to one end of the pipeline and then you sort of got to run back and go to the other end of the pipeline and then you got to go run back to where you entered and then go out again. Right. So you do a sort of a big T shape. And it's generally at the point in a marathon where you completely blow up. Yeah, and you've just... And it's a bit cambered as well, so you got a bit down and then you got to climb back up and then you go down and then you climb back up. I've walked it quite a few times. It is deceptive because it it feels flat most of the time, but every now and then you go, hang on, now Mm. that hurts. That shouldn't be hurting. Yeah, and it's probably at about the late 30K stage in in the the Legion Marathon, which is the one out in the White Horrors there, which um, celebrates the great Arthur Lydiard and and Snell and and those boys he used to train out there. Yeah, right. Well, it's a good place to go train. It's it's certainly picturesque. Grab your mates and get on course. Visit events.loveracing.nz to find a race day near you. Uh, and Marshy's just texted through and said, hey, Rigger, it might end up being a four-day test if she breaks up, mate. What do you reckon? Yeah, well, that's always the thing with subcontinent wickets. What what will happen? You, you can both make big scores in the first innings, and then literally in the space of about three overs, they can go boom. And, and if, it's, if it does do that, and we're equal with them, we're in big trouble. <laughs> There will be there will be issues. All right, thanks for your text, Marshy. Keep those coming through. Double eight, double three. We are seven away from seven. We're a couple of minutes away from seven o'clock, and uh, I was just talking out in the office to Brian, uh, who popped in earlier to tell us about McCaw jumping on a plane to go play around a golf. What he didn't tell us, Mark, was the plane he jumped on went to Australia, and the round of golf he played was the pro am as Cam Smith's partner. Well, that's just irresponsible because the, the decompression within those uh, plane cabins would be dreadful. Dreadful for a broken rib. Is it different when you turn left all the time? (laughs) Yeah. Up front? Yeah. Um, But, you know, well, you would make make the effort, wouldn't you, go and and play the the pro-am part of that? I used to play in that pro-am, used to get the invite to play in the pro-am when he actually played in the tournament. You got to play in the tournament in the New Zealand Open? Yeah, yeah. Gee, that was a lot of fun. Don't get the invite any longer. Don't you? No. You know why? Mike Hadden, who's uh, who runs things at New Zealand Golf now, the media guy, he's an Arsenal fan. He know, oh, and he, and I know, I know yeah. he knows you're a Spurs fan, so <laughs> might be something in that. I'll hit him up, mate. I'll hit him up. Let me make some calls for you, Rick, and uh, we'll we'll get it sorted. Actually, we're going to talk some golf shortly because after the latest end news with Araha, uh, Marcus Wheelhouse is going to join us, and we'll talk the Australian Open, which tees off this morning. Here is news. Thanks to Kubota, their in-stock catalogue is out now. Kia ora, good morning and welcome into Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SCNZ. No Izzy or Kempi uh, today, it's Rigger and myself and uh, Izzy is back tomorrow though from his excursion to Queensland with Beaver. Coming up on the show, uh, Marcus Wheelhouse is going to join us shortly. Uh, it is tradies hour though with night and day. Remember to start your morning with a hell of a coffee from just $4.50 at your local night and day. Also coming up on the show, the... 
White Ferns coach, Ben Sawyer, that White Ferns team uh, has just been announced uh, for the Pakistan series. And we'll catch up with Ben Sawyer after eight to talk that team. We'll also uh, catch up with Paul Mawadi from the TAB and George Worker out of the Auckland Aces as well after the big win they had yesterday against Otago. Sort of, uh, it's quite good having you on, mate. Your two old teams going at it yesterday. They're, they're, they're one apiece in the Ford Trophy now. Yeah, I, I support Otago in the one-day cricket. Yeah. And uh, and intend to support Auckland in the four-day cricket. It's a weird draw. First two rounds of the Ford Trophy this year, Auckland went to Invercargill to play the Vaults, and the second round the Vaults came to Eden Park to play Auckland. Oh, I quite like that. Back-to-back? Back. Yeah, back-to-back. Back. That'd be quite a good way to do it the whole way through if you could. I don't think it actually works out that way. No. Probably just chance. But yeah, maybe. It's just a bit of a weird draw. But yeah, I mean, we'll talk to uh, to George about that because uh, you're a big seven-wicket win for the Aces yesterday. But uh, there's a big golf tournament teeing off in Sydney uh, this morning. It is the Australian Open. We had the Australian PGA last week. And a bunch of Kiwis involved. And Marcus Wheelhouse, former tour pro, coach of Grant Fox as well, joins us now. Morning, Marcus. How are you doing? Well, I sort of, I sort of coach coach Grant Fox, but uh, but well, I'm usually, but yes, um, I'm very well, thank you. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, yeah. How 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 does that work? Uh, I mean, he obviously uh, he, he's obviously doing all right, mate. So you must be doing your job. Yeah, no, he's doing well. He's, he's I mean, he's um, you know away a lot these days, so he's got a he's got a uh, a part time coach over or well, coach over in, in Europe as well. So. Uh, but yes, he's, he's, he's had a couple of belty years, and, uh, and this year was pretty uh, pretty amazing picking up Wentworth. So it was um, it was a good year. When he's over there spending time with his other um, coaching wife, uh, does he often does he come back sometimes and you say, "What the hell are you doing? Do you ever clash with you know what the other coach is trying to do?" It's am- it's amazing. No, no, we don't uh, sing sing from the same song sheet, so to speak. Um, it's yeah, it's been uh, one of the things that's that's happened all the way through is you know just that. Um, that same sort of vision, I suppose you could say, um, of what of what we want Foxy to do. So yeah, it's worked worked um, worked well. Why is he not in this Australian Open? Um, it's just done. Just uh, you know, big year, a lot of travel this year, um, quite a lot of things happening off the course as well, and uh, he's getting ready for he, he'll go again on the seventh of January. So this year was there was not a lot of because he played so much in the states early. Um, there was not a lot of time to actually have a you know sort of four or five week break, um, and, it, and I think a golfer needs that, um, and I think a lot of the guys will, will tell you that as well. It's just a matter of just you've got to just actually give your body a rest and then start to work into into um, into some. He's doing some fitness already, um, but just just work into that sort of you know mode again, which is you know you spend a bit of time hitting golf balls and and obviously you know for for um, for Foxy especially. You know, spending a lot of time in New Zealand, um, it's the travel that that you know that that banks up. Is he really out there doing fitness? Or is he out on his boat? Because I imagine he's probably mate, bought a bigger boat now. Mate, I, I was I was in the gym with him yesterday morning at five, which was uh, which was which was good. He's, um, <laughs> but yes, he is yes he is awaiting um, the the right conditions to go out and fish regularly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking well, at the format um, for for this tournament, and it's one of those ones played over two courses. So you've got the Australian golf course, and you've got uh, you got the Lakes Golf Club. Are you a fan of that? Look, I think this this the joint event, um, you know, with a woman and the and the all abilities and the and the men, um, it, it's it's quite different. You know, I, I think that you know when you look at the, um, 
yeah, the, I suppose the watchability and all those different things that sit around it. I mean, a lot of the smaller countries, you know, you know, want to obviously involve the you know, two young one and the all abilities, and, and they, it's hard to get a big event, you know, two of those big events or three of those big events, right? So to combine them and have a you know a bit more of a celebration of golf, if you want to call it that, or, or a, a combination of all those three, you know, three areas is is uh, is, is quite unique and it's quite good. Um, it's something different. You know, it brings a lot of different things to for for different sponsors as well. So uh, mm. it seems to have been, you know, a reasonably good, you know, success and, and the crowds are big. And I mean, they'd go and watch two flies up the wall in Australia, wouldn't they? You know, yeah. When it comes to sports, so they, they're they're a pretty uh, a pretty amazing nation when when it comes to supporting you know events you know on the feet. So. Uh, yeah, no, it should be a good week. What about the fairness for players, though? Because, you know, in, in a normal tournament, one course, you might get a, a unfavourable tea times where you strike, say, the, the, the worst of the weather both times. You're adding another element because, you know, one, the same golf course can play completely different on, on on two different days depending on which way the wind's blowing or, or, or what's happening. And you're adding sure. that extra dimension in there. Yeah, I mean there is a little bit of element of that. I mean, there's, you know, when you look at the you know tournaments like the Dunhill or the Pebble Beach, you know, Pram, I think that's not on anymore. But you know, when you're playing over two or three courses, it certainly does bring into that. But uh, you know, that's golf. You know, even just with normal draws, you know, if you play late, early, or early late in a tournament, sometimes there can be some you know some bias to one side. So yeah, it, it is a factor. I, I think that you know, probably preferable if we could all play in the same conditions and know the true champion. But yeah, I mean that's. The variable, the variability of golf is um, is part of the game, I think. And um, yeah, I mean, there's there's always, you know just a bit of luck on your side too when you win, isn't there? There's always a little bit of luck, mate. Always a little bit. You, you, some some would say you create your own. Um, what did you make of Cam Smith up at the Aussie PGA? I mean, he was just about in tears after missing the cut and saying he was disappointed <laughs> in the Aussie public. Apparently, he spent the rest of the weekend working on his putting. Um, I don't know yeah. how good that is because sometimes you can get you know two in your own head. How do you reckon he's going to go uh, this weekend? Being the class player, he is. I think he'll bounce back. It's going to be. I think it's going to be really interesting. Um, you know. It's, Look, sometimes you get a bit complacent in, in this in this game, and and maybe he got a little bit that way with his build up to that. Um, he might have stretched himself media wise. I, I tell you one thing that I that I you know take my hat off to, to Min Wu as well, um, and and also um, Cam is just how much they give to the you know, to the Australian public and, and the young people. Um, it's amazing, and so so maybe I don't know. I mean, again, I'm just playing. Putting you know an old hat on, but um, maybe it was just a he got that combination wrong and and uh, and the prep and didn't do as much work as he needed to and just had an off day. I mean it was only one day, wasn't it? So I think he'll 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 bounce back, mate. He's a, he's a class act. How good's this Minwoo Lee? Oh, mate, sensational. Yeah, I mean he's so, he's so talented, isn't he? So you know he's got everything really. If you look at he's got Spanish hands, he's got uh, he's a great player. Um, you know he's long enough. Well, he's, you know he's super long. So you know he's got so many things in his in his uh, in his repertoire. So no, he's. I think he'll he'll be a dominant player in the world of golf, and and uh, for sure. Well, he already is, obviously. But he, you know it, it'll continue up the ranks. Who's got the best mullet, him or Cam? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Cam's with that with that wispy sort of blonde, you know, and that and that filthy mo, that sort of raggedy sort of you know a bit rednecky. Yeah, I think Cam wins that one. Yeah, is Min it? Yeah. Is a bit, Min is a bit more manicured, isn't it? It's a bit yeah. More, you know, 
it's a bit more sort of, yeah, I suppose, nice if you want. Styled. It's it's, it's, yeah, style. That's a word. That's a word I was looking for. It's pop. (laughs) It's pop star versus bogan, really, isn't it? Yeah, you got it. You got it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's LA versus Nashville, you know, like sort yeah. of a bit of that. <laughs> sort of a bit of that. Um, at the moment, mate, it, it seems like we are, 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 are turning up more and more golfers that can play at this level out in New Zealand, and I think we saw about at least half a dozen at the Australian P- PGA. Um, does it feel like that to you? I mean, you're at the coalface. You see these guys coming through. Do you think we're producing more golfers capable of playing at that level? So. Um, I'd like to think so. Anyway, um, you know, I mean, uh, look, a big shout out to you know Ben Campbell, you know, for winning that Hong Kong event, um, you know, a few weeks ago. I think that's a really massive feather in his bow, uh, in his cap, I should say. Um, you know, when you look at the the likes of Sam Jones, who's you know um, qualified for the DP Tour, and yeah, I mean Daniel Hillier, yeah, I think we're you know we're 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 getting there, you know, it's, and we do probably bat a little bit above, uh, you know, because. I think we have got a, as golfers in New Zealand, we've got a lot of things against us. You know, there's, you know, there's all just the fact that we're just down in this part of the world. There's the golf courses. When you look at it, aren't that, you know, world class? I mean, there's some good golf courses, but you know, so there's a lot of things against. I could go on for five minutes about that, but I won't. But you know, it just, we're, I think we're doing well, and uh, and it's great to see them you know, sort of getting a bit of confidence and putting in some good performances out there. Well, one of the performances for me last week, and he's there again this week, was Mike Henry. Uh, Mike yeah. Henry, he, um, he, you know, the bloke's got cancer. And, yeah. and he, oh, no, he shoots a low 60. I think, I think he was the highest of the, of the New Zealanders and top 20. Just an incredible yeah. performance. Unbelievable. And uh, just, you know, I, I went and played his charity day, um, not so long ago, a few months back, and saw him and, and caught up with him and haven't caught up with him since. But, you know, he was just sort of getting back into it. And then he obviously went down and, you know, played good in those childhood events, right? So, uh, yeah, no, it's amazing, maybe, what he's done and, and uh, just, you know, carried on training and so positive and all those things that sit around, um, you know, I suppose just fighting, you know, that, that horrible disease. So he's done, uh, yeah, I can't sort of um, say enough about it, that really. It's amazing. Is there? I mean, I know we're playing over two courses uh, this tournament, mate. Is there anybody you think that these courses suit more than someone else? I mean, is this something that's going to play into Adam Scott's hands, or anybody in particular you fancy at this tournament? Oh, look, I think I, I, I think you'll find there'll be a few guys. I think Minwell will play or back up again. Um, I think he'll, he'll play well again. I think you know the the Australian and the Lakes. You know, they are good strikers courses. Um, I'd, I'd like to see uh, Denzel Romero played well in the in the Aussie event uh, a couple of years ago. I'd be I wouldn't be surprised to see him sort of come out a little bit and, and fire up. So yeah, there'll be a, I think you know Ben Campbell's playing nicely. I, I know he's just had a week off, um, so he, he's you know he's full of confidence and played well. He finished uh, top ten anyway in the in the tournament the week before. So yeah, there's a few guys out there. We have a hell of a job us New Zealanders winning our own Open. Can we, can we win this? <laughs> I'd like to think so, mate. Up the Aussies, eh? Um, yeah, t- totally. I mean, I'd I'd love to see Kiwi get up there and and, uh, and compete. Eh? It'd just be uh, it'd be awesome. But yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is. We are in the numbers game, and, and we have got less. But um, all those things that we we just never know. Hopefully, someone's putter can can catch fire and and uh, and hit a few fairways. Yeah, um, uh, Marcus, the, the, we've had a, a few complaints come through uh, from one 
uh, Mark Richardson about not getting invited to the uh, New Zealand Open Pro Am anymore. <laughs> Are you able to pull any strings for us on that? <laughs> mate, out of the loop, buddy. Out of the loop. Long man's are just to ask, but God, mate, it's um, you know, it's it's quite the card to get, isn't it? These days, the old New Zealand Open. It's, it's tough. It's carrying on with popularity. Tough, yeah. It's tough. Hardy, Hardy's just just chopping them left, right, and centre, is he? Yeah, you got to be one of the biggest dogs of the big dogs. You want to get there any longer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you need to get back out there, Rick. You need to get back out there. Um, no, you need to start lobbying. Start lobbying. Yeah, yeah, we'll start. We'll start the lobbying uh, shortly, mate. Don't worry about that. Um, just uh, heading heading back to Ryan. Of course, he finished the year, I think, twenty eighth overall on the DP Tours uh, list, and that means he's got a PGA Tour card for next season. How much time do you reckon that he's going to spend in the states? What's the plan? So he plays Dubai for a couple uh, in the first part of July, uh, first part of January, I should say, and then he's pretty much in the states for quite a bit of the next, you know, four months. So obviously the USPJ is, you know, quite top heavy, so or, or you know, early in the year heavy. So you've got all the majors right through to all sort of July. So um, that's it's in a space of yeah, just trying to get a heads up and and get a um, get a good, you know, building. Um, Building the performances through that sort of February, March, April um, will be will be key. So yeah, here we here we a lot of time in the states from that uh, those three months. Is this game set up for the PGA? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think um, and and the performances last year sort of showed that. You know, he's, he's obviously a very good ball striker. The golf courses over there are phenomenal. You know, like they are tough. And um, and yes, you know, you've got to obviously putt well and, and do all those sort of things. And I think that's improved a lot in the last two years. He's become more, a lot more consistent um, with, his, with his putter. Uh, but his ball striking and and just the, the, the length, obviously, that he possesses is, um, is very, you know, very beneficial for him. And he, he's got, you know, he's, he's made a slight adjustment with his clubs a couple of years, or a year and a half ago now. Uh, where he just got those long lines a little bit longer, a little bit um, flying higher, and I think that's a, been a really good addition to his bag, um, just to get those. You know, you got a lot of water carries and stuff in the states, so um, you got to stop the golf ball pretty quickly. So yeah, that those have definitely um, added to his repertoire. Put it that way. Um, just before let you go, Mark, is that kind of t- tied into something I wanted to ask as well? But you know, we see in the Ryder Cup, it's very hard to win away from home. So, how much different are the courses set up in the US versus Europe? Very. Um, yeah, I mean, you just got you just got great golf courses in America, right? So they're just you know the Quail Hollows and the you know the Wingfoots and all like I mean the list is plenty, right? So you know, and you have got quite a bit of adversity as well from the you know from the East Coast to the West Coast, which is obviously quite different grasses. So there is quite a bit of change in, in through the year. Um, but they are they are great golf courses, and in, in Europe you'll play some good golf courses. Um, but there'll be a lot of you know golf courses that'll be yeah. I mean I, I suppose on the world 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 sort of stage, not quite up to up to scratch maybe if you want to call that without being too nasty. But um, yeah, the, the, I think the the golf courses they play on the PGA Tour are phenomenal, you know, and the the event itself, you know, the Wats Run, um, it just feels like a different different place. Which it is, obviously. <laughs> you, you, you get what I mean? Yeah, I do. I do. I, I get what you mean, mate. It's, it's right up there with, uh, I don't know if you remember, former Liverpool striker Ian Rush. He moved to Juventus for a season. Uh, only lasted a season. He complained about it. He said it was like living in a foreign country. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Good stuff. Hey, thanks very much for coming on, Marcus. Really appreciate it. Hey, no worries. All right.
you guys. Cheers, mate. Bye. Have a great weekend. Have a great weekend. Marcus Wheelhouse there with us. Yeah, interesting. Some of the things you said because I, I was looking at the uh, the Ryder Cup and looking at how hard it is to win that away, and so that was something that was formulating away. I was like, why is that? Because it's it I guess the energy of the crowd. You reckon? Yeah, those guys. It, it brings the best out of them, and when they've got that whole crowd behind them, your own crowd, it's got to give you a bit of a, a lift, doesn't it? Oh, you would think so, but I, I just kind of thought those guys would Different be courses. above that and they'd be able to block it out, you know, the mental strength and all that sort of stuff. No, well, they're, they're right there. They're, mm. they're, it's not like a crowd. You, you think crowds in golf, they're, they're beside you. They're behind you. Yeah. They're all around the green. They're not in stands 30 metres away. That you got it, the energy, the energy. And those, I think great sports people are fantastic at harnessing that energy. You know, the, the nerves would be around some of those putts. And, and one thing that always sticks out in my mind at the Ryder Cup is the quality of the short game. And you think if we're out there, what's and with our games, our golf games, the first thing that would fall to bits would be the short game and the yeah. ones that need the little fine motor skills. Theirs just gets heightened. They're, they're amazing. Yeah, they are amazing. We just had a text through from uh, somebody called Wayne Kerr. Uh, guess who's back? Back again. Izzy's back. Tell your friends. Ha-ha, morning team. Big fun our day. Then back in the AM. Yes, that is apparently somebody has labelled Israel Dag's number in the system as Wayne Kerr. So <laughs> when he texts through, that's what it comes up as. Izzy, good morning to your brother. Enjoy your day with your family. We'll see you back tomorrow morning. This is Izzy and Kepi for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, keeping you healthy this spring. It is 7.27 on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Uh, the rig is in the house. Mark Richardson for us today. Izzy is back tomorrow, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll welcome him back with open arms. But, Rig, we've uh, got plenty of chat going on the golf uh, and on Kane Williamson as well. Uh, Greg from Christchurch, has anybody looked at Kane Williamson's last five test innings? He has scored four centuries. Random text, just thought I would let you know, and I, I looked this up. And check this out. This is Kane Williamson's last four test innings. 104 overnight against Bangladesh. Yeah. Test before that was in Wellington against Sri Lanka. He scored 215. Um, didn't didn't have to bat a second time. Test before that was against Sri Lanka and Christchurch. 121 not out. Test before that was England and Wellington. 132. You sort of forget, because uh, it's often a long time between drinks, isn't it, when it comes to test cricket for New Zealand? Yeah. Yeah, It's just he it just churns them out. And and throwing all the injuries and not being there and not being that and just it's, he comes back on the field after a break hiatus and it's like he's never left. Yeah, and if you go three tests beyond that, it was uh, uh, back beyond that. It was two hundred against Pakistan and Karachi. So he's gone to twenty nine tests and no twenty nine test centuries. Yeah, how many has he end up with? How he's he not a young man any longer, and he's having some issues with his body. Thirty three is he? Thirty three around think. there. Yeah, I reckon. I reckon he pushes forty. If he stays in this kind of form, he loves the game, looks after himself. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I can see him being one of those guys that just gives away the white ball. And stuff. if he's not captain, yeah, as well, I think that sits just he can just go and bat. Doesn't have to worry about anyone else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think there's a there's a chance that he can push. I mean, we were talking about another in the eleven office. is forty. Yeah, and that's where punter is, isn't it? So what's five? Can he do that's? Can he do five a year? Mm. Five test centuries. Because New Zealand don't play that many tests. That's the problem. But he could probably play test cricket for four another four or five years. He could probably play at least thirty seven, thirty eight mm. test cricket. So if when he wants you to. when you look at a New Zealand test cricket, especially one of the more modern ones, and they're up there in terms of volume of runs scored, it's really significant. 
and Test century scored because we just don't play the amount of Test cricket that England, Australia, India play. Yeah. So players don't get as many opportunities to rack up the runs. Well, you know, and and it's just the way he and Ross went at it, right, was was quite amazing. And because I remember growing up with you know. Glenn Turner and Martin Crow was those guys, guys, and you look back and what have they got like eight and eleven or something, ten centuries? You know what I mean? And these guys are now like twenty nine. Yeah, up there with the greats of the game. Yeah. No, Hogan had a few more that than that, didn't he? I don't, I don't, I'm just pulling that out of my out of my ear. I'm not sure, but I, like it feels like it was quite. It's there's quite a disparity now. Yeah, they went past Martin Crow's number quite some time ago. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent they did. Uh, I mean, I know it was always. A goal for uh, for Ross was to beat to beat Hogan's record, wasn't it? That was always something that he talked about. But um, I think he went past it quite a long time ago. How many has he got? Oh, 17. So a few more yeah, than I, I thought. thought. Yeah. yeah, a few more than I thought. But still, they're one of our greatest ever players at 17. It just shows the point that we just don't play enough test cricket. And it mm. just shows how great Ross Taylor and Kane Williamson have been. Do you reckon Crow would have scored more centuries than 17 if he had played in the same team that Taylor and Williamson have played in? Because it it's a better team now than it was then, isn't it? On the In terms of compared to who they're playing on a world stage. Mate, I, maybe, I, I, I don't know, maybe playing on better surfaces. New Zealand yeah. surfaces have got a little little better, maybe. It'd be interesting to have a, the average run of runs, runs scored are greater nowadays. Is the supporting cast better? And therefore, would make you better. Yeah, well, it would just allow I don't you know, to bat I, longer. I, I, people, uh, Potentially. Yeah, but how many times did, did Martin Crow carry his bat? I, I don't know. Probably not that many times. Mm. He got his runs and wasn't the last one out or not out at the, at the time. Yeah, true. But he, Martin Crow's statistics, I don't think reflect the quality of the player that he mm. was. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's really fair, actually, um, because he was a was a brilliant player. I mean. Him in the modern game with things that they could have done to his knees now and etc. He could have probably been at, a, at you know a lot better physical shape towards the end of his career than he yeah, was. And he was driven. Yeah, boy, he was driven. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. Keep your texts rolling through. Thanks for that one. Uh, that was uh, from Greg in Christchurch. Uh, keep your texts rolling through. Double eight, double three. Let's get away uh, to the latest in news with Aroha. Thanks to Kubota. Kubota's in-stock catalogue is out now. 27 away from 8 o'clock. Kennard's High makes your job easy. Kennards.co.nz. Here's some sports headlines for you, starting with the cricket. If you are just joining us and want to find out what happened on day two of the test against Bangladesh, well, the hosts lead by 44 runs, but the Black Caps have two wickets in hand. The batting lineup for New Zealand uh, all got starts, but really Kane Williamson, the only one that kicked on, he got 104. He's now equal with Don Bradman and Virat Kohli on 29 test centuries. For Bangladesh, it was their spinner, Tajul Islam, who led the attack dismissing Latham, Mitchell, Sodi and Williamson to finish the day on 4 for 89. Tim Southey, Cole Jamison will start day three at the crease at 4.30 this afternoon, New Zealand time. England captain Owen Farrell will not be available for this season's Six Nations champs after announcing he's going to take a break from international rugby. In a statement, the Saracens club said that his decision had been made in order to prioritise his and his family's mental well-being. And Steve Borthwick, the England coach, has said that everybody at England Rugby is fully behind the decision and supports him. Saracens added that the 32-year-old will continue to play for them and captain the uh, team as well. And what is it? 
what is it, Rig, with um, Irish first fives, they seem to be pretty angry. Johnny Sexton picked up a, what is it, a four-game ban before the World Cup for abusing referees. Uh, well, former Crusaders assistant and Irish first five, Ronan O'Gara, is set for another disciplinary hearing in France after top after match officials again took exception to his bad behaviour at a top 14 match. 14 months ago, he was suspended for six weeks and fined €10,000 for disrespecting match officials following a loss uh, in Lyon. And the latest trouble uh, happened uh, when they played their his old club, Racing, uh, last Sunday. They were beaten 32-10 and had a player sent off in the 25th minute. Uh, and uh, they lost another player to a yellow card when they were training 24-3, so he's obviously lost it with the officials there. Uh, fiery, fiery Irishman. Yeah. It's first five, though. It's, you know, always, it's normally the halfbacks who are the mouthy ones, isn't it? Yeah, well, generally, you always expect the halfback to or be the hooker. chippy. Or oh, a hooker or a front rower. Yeah. yeah, well, uh, yeah I mean, Dane Coles, Fitzy, they, they certainly weren't short of a word generally, were they? No, but, but the Irish have, are very expressive. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Just they're say not, the least. Yeah, they 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 they're not shy on on, on having a word. That's for sure. They're not shy on having a word. Uh, here's one that'll interest you, Rick. Yeah, uh, Luke Donald has been named as Team Europe's Ryder Cup captain for 2025 to contest Beth Page Black. Donald led Europe to victory over Team USA in Rome earlier this year and becomes the first back-to-back captain since 1995. The world, uh, former world number one represented Europe in the Ryder Cup four times as a player, featuring on the winning team every time and then served twice as vice-captain before replacing Henrik Stenson as captain for 2023. Can, under his leadership, you, that's a pretty impressive record, can they go and win in the US? Maybe that's why they decided to go with him again. Yeah. Off the back of the success, can they do it in America? He's He hasn't lost a... A, uh, a Ryder Cup as either a player or as the as the captain. So why not yeah. go over to America and, and win there would be a good achievement. It's rare, isn't it, for for a two timer? Because oh, yeah, I always thought it? it was it was sort of it's sort of an honour bestowed upon a a great Ryder Cup player, yeah, a great player, and it, it's almost I know they have a lot to. to there's only so much they they can do. I'd love to actually now that is something I'd love a fly on the wall doco. Following the the captain of a Ryder Cup team around, do, do just you, to know, just to know exactly how much say they have and how influential they are, and actually what happens. Because that's the, the other event. thing is, I mean, great players don't always make great coaches or great captains, right? No, no, you've got some fairly skittery racehorses to deal with, haven't you? <laughs> that's and, a good way to put it. Uh, Twelve players you've got on hand, and who do you play, and how? Because it it is you've got to get a read on where someone is. Mentally, mm. you'd have to be to, to, when you're going to put them out. What day won't they miss? What pairings do you put together? There is a lot to it, but you know, from, from the from the layperson's view, from the outer, from the ropes, you just see the, the cat and swanning around with them with a microphone. You know, you're thinking, you know, how much, how much? You're not swinging the golf club for them. What? But then you know, I guess you're like you're a souped up sort of caddy in a way, aren't you? How big is caddy their, of them all? How big is their team around them? Not the the golfers themselves, but like you know, support staff and things like that. I mean, they have about analysts. five or six sort of co-captains, don't they? Yeah, because I mean, that's the thing. I, I like to play fantasy football. I thought right? that you just had the co-captains to be drinking mates. At the well, end that, of the day. I thought the whole thing. That's what the whole thing was about. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I like to play fantasy football, right? But yeah. what you're talking about it sounds like what you need is we need fantasy Ryder Cup where you actually go and predict what matchups you would make. You go, okay, they're going to play these two Americans and the pairs. 
where are their weaknesses in their game and, and, and what's this course look like and which of my golfers are best you do know, you actually know? That. Do you? That, that's the other thing. I've never quite worked it out when it comes to Ryder Cup, which is my favourite sporting event, by the way. Yeah. Do you? Do you know when they put the the name up? Who's going? Who? You don't actually. You can't. You you don't know who they're going to be paired against to play against, do you? Because they just put their lineup up. They put their lineup up. Yeah, that's true. Or, actually. Is there a ruling? And I should not. I should actually research this. Is there a ruling where the home team put their side up and then you can put against? Because that's unfair. Well, well, maybe does that then sort of help level the playing field with having home advantage and the home crowd? Because it is—it's just they put their their that well, they're going to tee off at that. They're going to be our first group out, second group out, third group out, and 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 then the other lot put theirs out, and it's just whoever plays who is whoever plays who. I I'd be I don't know if one of the captains can go. Okay, right. Well, you're going to play against um, Spieth and Thomas. Yeah. Do they get that? Choice? I if, don't know if, if they you do. know, let us know. Double eight double three or oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. We're keen to find this out. Uh, Mark, who is our Ryder Cup uh, expert, uh, isn't fan. sure. I'm a Ryder Cup fan. Oh, fan. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no expert. Fan, fan spurt. Uh, so, but if you do know the answer to that question, double eight double three or oh eight hundred one five zero eleven. Be good to hear from you on that. Uh, those are your sports news headlines. Ken it's higher. Cha- can it change your life? No. Can they make your job easier? Ken if they can. Uh, Kenards.co.nz. A couple of texts through as well on double eight double three. Kane Williamson has got similarities to a certain captain and Sam Kane, do you think? They're both told on a boys' college, aren't they? Be about with similarities in, isn't it? Uh, well, they they both got a similar way of talking, I think. Kind of similar sort of what's the what's the word, the the, the way they present themselves. Both feared head. Yeah, feared head, yeah. But both under slightly understated in the way that they conduct themselves, the way they talk. One of them is an undisputed great of the game. Yeah. It's the other one, hell of a player. Yeah. Could you throw them into the undisputed great of the game category just yet? No. Don't think With so. With all due respect? No, and not a knock, but when you're you know, competing against people like Jones and McCaw and, and Cronfeld, it's, it's kind mm. of tough. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I, I like it. I like it, Graham. Nice thought. Uh, and Paddy's text are through as well. Hey, lads, you could argue that Kane's numbers don't tell the full story. Hasn't he been out in the 90s something like 14 times? If you add them to a century count, all of a sudden he's an even greater player. The thing with Kane is he's been out in the 90s so many times, putting the team first, he's a selfless goat uh, that the likes of Coley and Steve Smith could only dream of. Yeah, he doesn't play the game for himself. But I guess then you've got to look at, okay, how many times has he been out in the 90s and is it staggeringly more than the amount of times some of the other greats with all the centuries have been out in the 90s. And I would I would argue that a lot of the other players would have scored a lot of 90s as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the, the more times you get close to 100, the more times, you, you know, it, it, statistically you're going to get out in the 90s quite a lot if you're there or thereabouts. So I got an equal amount of 90s as I did 100s. Well, there you go. There's, so you my know. 90 ratio is high. Yeah. I, I always remember the chat around Stephen Fleming. He'd always get to 50 but struggle to convert. 60s was his issue. Yeah, he was. And then it became a thing. Did it become a thing in his head, do you think? I think it did. I think he was aware of it. It was a criticism labelled at him. But he he featured in many really good partnerships, even if he wasn't the one getting the big title. Then he he did have a few golden years where he did go on and get some really big titles. Mm. But he was always contributing, whether he was, if he was, I'd, I'd rather take, okay, he didn't get 100, but I'll take 67. 
Yeah. Any old day. Take 67. If, you get, if you're getting that every week. Yeah, and he was. He was yep. very consistent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing with Flem. He was very consistent player. Keep your text rolling through. Double eight, double three. It's 17 away from eight here on SENZ. It's 11 away from eight on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. It is Tradies Hour with night and day. You warm yourself up with a hell of a coffee from just $4.50. We did ask uh, to some clarification about Ryder Cup and how those teams work. Pete Nashburton to the rescue. So here you go, Rig. Uh, Ryder Cup first team picks the first combo out, and then the second team puts a pair up against them. Ah. Then the second team puts their pairing up, and then the first team can put a pair up against them, ah, and so forth. So you get to sort of proactively counter 50% of the time. Yes. That seems like a really good system. It's quite strategic, isn't it? Yeah, thanks for that, Pete. Yeah, cheer. appreciate it, Pete. So keep your text rolling through. Uh, double eight double three is uh, the number. We talked about Richie McCaw earlier. And about he's you know now doing these uh, like he did the five passes thing in the Southern Alps where you're basically riding a mountain bike. I think you go up and level five thousand meters over the race, right? So it's you, it's a lot of uphill, not too much downhill. Uh, he got a few grazes and that, and then they reckon a, a broken rib, and then the next day he jumped on a plane, flew to Aussie, and played in the program with Cam Smith. Um, had a text through from Eastie saying, boys, how good is the sporting gene pool for Richie and Gemma's three girls? I'm looking forward to seeing where those three land up in the sporting landscape. Yeah, a lot of pressure, eh? And and you could, I don't know what their attitude is, but the minute one of those kids shows a little bit of talent, the pressure that goes on on that child because of who the, the parents are, yeah. it's tough. Yeah, oh, it would be tough. It would be tough. And I, I think, that, I mean, to an extent you'd have this with your boys, right? If they jump, if they start playing cricket, um, then there's going to be that expectation. But if they went into another sport, so if they play football or if they, I don't know, play rugby league or whatever, maybe it's mm. not so much there. Well, my kids are reasonably good athletes. I don't know where they get that from. Good genes on their mum's side. Come from me, but my lad, so I got one of each. Well, oh, one of Twins, each. Twins, but one of each. Yeah. Uh, when my lad rolled up, bowled off the wrong foot. The ball came out sort of over the top of his neck and sort of a. a <laughs> Bold like a, a, a left-handed googly, yeah. not trying to. I thought, right, he's either going to be brilliant yeah. or awful. Unreadable. It's, it's <laughs> like, that. just without even seeing it, I just think the old frog in a blender. What was the name, Paul very, Adams? Yeah, very much so. Learned, he learned to bat all right, but he's not really a cricket. He's not totally into it. He played with his rugby mates for a bit, but yeah. it's not his thing. And and that was almost like a fuel. Had, had he showed some ability, well, I would have, I would have. You know, I would have given him every opportunity and, and helped him, but no, he's uh, he's into his uh, rugby and his running. And you're right; it's like the fact that I was a a good cricketer means diddly squat at that point. Yeah. So there's no there's no expectation all, on his shoulders. Although the running, how many of your races has he watched? Uh, I, I get very nervous. Yeah, yeah. And, and my daughter's a little bit different. She does the slightly longer ones. She's quite good at that. And um, yeah, it's. I get so nervous sitting in the stands because they 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 they're not bad, you know. They're yeah. up there nationally, which is which is fun. Is he he hasn't uh, tried to replicate the suit to get <laughs> allow him to go faster? He's too cool for that. <laughs> <laughs> too cool for the old man suit. Uh, quality. Keep your text rolling through. He's double got eight, double three. Oh, oh, you don't you don't need that. You know you can sell that off easily. Uh, put the money in the bank. It's way better off there. Uh, we're eight away from eight here on Izzy and Kippy for breakfast. We're three minutes away from eight o'clock. Uh, we are 44 runs behind Bangladesh after day two. As Dan has texted through, 44 behind, no problem. We have Tim at the crease. I don't know how far in your cheat your tongue is, Dan, but I would imagine it's quite far. 
Well, he might whack a few. He might do. He might do. Um, now, Kane Williamson, though, as we said, he did score 104. This is what he had to say about his innings. Yeah, a tough day. Uh, I thought, you know, the batters went out really tried to apply themselves and um, put together some good partnerships and um, a couple of wickets left. So it'd be nice to to get a, a few more and, and then um, we'll have our chance to bowl. So, you know, the surface is, um, you know, showing some some signs of deteriorating quite quite a lot. So, um, yeah, it looks like it'll be a, a bit of a scrap in the, in the next few days. Yeah, the surface, um, you know, has changed somewhat um, and we were expecting that. So, you know, it's important for us to keep, you know, adjusting the conditions, um, bat and ball. So, um, yeah, like I say, there's a, a job to do in the morning and um, then we get the ball in our hands. There you go. That was uh, Karen Williamson talking about uh, day two. It's not good to hear when he's talking about the conditions deteriorating because, remember, we got a bat last. Yeah, that's true. And 40, a deficit of 40, even a deficit of 20 could be quite a lot if that wicket gets difficult to bat on. Yeah. And you, you have a lot more faith in Tim Southey with a bat than I do. Well, when, he, when you can say, Tim, just go out there and whack it, and they are probably the, the the pitch shouldn't frighten him with the quicks. He's all right there, and the spinners. He's not a bad whacker of spin bowling. Um, but, you know, another we could easily whack another twenty. Carl Jameson can bat a bit. AJ's Patel can hold the bat. So uh, there's no reason why we can't get get close, get some parity. But the fact that we have to bat last is a major issue already. I feel if that pitch is going to deteriorate. So almost they, you almost want them to bat longer, don't you? So that the Bangladeshis have to deal with some more of that. I don't think they'll be able to bat that long. Yeah, right. I'm Run gonna... up and down the wicket, maybe. Get his big hoops. <laughs> Go on. Yeah. Get, get, dig them in. Dig them in. And the next hour, we're going to talk more cricket. Uh, we have George Worker out of the Auckland Aces and Ben Sawyer from the White Ferns as well. Plus Paul Mawadi from the TAB. Here is Araha with the latest in news. Thanks to Kubota. Kubota's in-stock catalogue is out now. It's Izzy and Kempi for breakfast at four past eight. Welcome into the show. Izzy is back on deck tomorrow morning. In the meantime, you've got myself and Rigger Mark Richardson, and uh, we are talking cricket this hour. We've got George Worker from the Auckland Aces later in the hour, Paul Mawadi from the TAB as well. Right now, though, Ben Sawyer, the coach of the White Ferns. Morning, Ben. How are you? G'day, mate. Yeah, all good. Thank you. It's a story always exciting when you get to... Get to name a squad, mate. You got to, your, your squad uh, has has just come out for the uh, series against Pakistan, and I see uh, one of the one of the big leading uh, stories here in the in the story that I've been sent from uh, uh, from New Zealand cricket media is the Sophie Bates Oval. They're renaming it for this uh, for this test um, for the for, against oh, for this game against Pakistan, mate. When what would, when, when are we going to get the uh, the Ben Sawyer Oval? When's that going to happen? Do you think? Uh, look, I don't think they'll be anytime soon, mate. But uh, yeah, look, it's a great achievement, you know, for Suze to achieve her 300 games. She actually did it, uh, obviously, while we were in uh, South Africa. But we wanted to, you know, to make a special mention of that and, you know, play that many number of games for your country is, is a pretty amazing achievement. So yeah, it should be a pretty special day for that uh, second T20. I'm looking through the, the list of players, and there is a ton of experience here, isn't there? Yeah, look, we're we're really uh, blessed with that in terms of you know Sophie and Susie and and Mealy's getting up in games now and, and obviously Maddie as well and so that that part of it and then you know the the bit that's exciting as well is there's a number of girls that have only played a handful of games or you know only, even if they played a few they've only bowled a handful of overs or, or faced a handful of balls so um, you know that's the exciting part about the squad is that 
you know, we, we have got some absolute world-class players in, in terms of just their experience as well. And then, you know, add to the likes of Georgia Plimmer and, and girls like that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a nice place to be in at the moment, I think. Yeah, that was what I was going to ask you off the back of the experience. Have you got enough young players coming through to, to take this side forward? Yeah, look, I think, you know, we've got, uh, you know, girls like Georgia, Easy Gaze, Fran Jonas, uh, Eden Carson, Molly Penfold, I'm pretty sure they're all under 21 or 22 or something like that. So, you know, even just in our playing squad, there's a number of those girls. Um, but then, you know, even someone like Hannah Rowe, who's, you know, 26 odd, but, you know, has only sort of played a handful of games, not not a whole heap and, and had huge experience. So uh, even players like that, I think, you know, there's untapped potential in some of them as well. So, um, yeah, look, we got a number of young players. I'm really comfortable with that. Um, so, yeah, I think we can bring the group forward. What I've seen, looking at the T20 here, what, what I've seen uh, in the Super Smash is spin bowlers doing really, really well in, in the women's game. Looking through the squad here, you got a lot of quicks. Uh, well, we do, but, you know, one of our T20 plans, and I think a number of our T20s, we've actually played three spinners in pretty much uh, all of those games uh, for quite a while now, so... Um, yeah, look, we do have a number of quicks. I guess the bit where we're blessed with that is that a number of them are all around us. So you've got Sophie up top, Hannah Rowe, you know, who bats in the middle for us as well. So, um, yeah, I think it's more the fact that, you know, it's one actually really strength of the side that, you know, even someone like Neely and Sophie, to to have those girls in your top four and, and they also bowl is is a real blessing. So, you know, with Sophie and Neely up top, means we can pick an extra quick and an extra spinner and, and sort of have three of each. So I think it's a really good balance and we're really lucky with that. You know, throw Susie into the mix on subcontinent wickets. You know, we've, we've played four spinners at stages. So, look, it actually is a strength of ours, and it's something we've done in T20 quite a lot. So, um, you know, I'd be pretty certain we'll roll out three spinners even in New Zealand at times in T20 cricket. How much are you expecting? I mean, you, you, is the, the way you said that suggests you don't expect them to actually uh, necessarily turn the ball a lot on our on our wicket. So is it very much that Daniel Vittori, it's about the flight, it's about the length? Yeah, look, um, you know, with our spin bowling coach, we've done quite a bit of work on that. And, um, you know, someone like using Fran Jonas as an example, I think the numbers are that she goes for like four and a half in the power play and five through the middle. So, um, yeah, obviously we need to teach these girls to be able to slow it up uh, at times to take wickets and, and to, you know, especially in the subcontinent and places like that. But but here in New Zealand, yeah, it's a little bit flatter. And I guess the way we're trying to take wickets, which is the objective all the time with us, but it's probably a little bit more through pressure in New Zealand conditions than it is through and dot ball pressure than it is through maybe spinning the ball past the bat because, you know, I don't know if we're going to get that assistance here. So um, it's actually about teaching the girls to be able to do both. Um, and that's really exciting because someone like Fran and Eden at, at 19 and 20, um, you know, we need to be able to teach them that, but I think they can learn that. And especially when we go overseas, just to be able to slow it up a little bit, I think it's really important. Shouldn't be short of runs, though. Boys, there's some power there, some power hitting headline by Sophie Devine, who's in red-hot form. Mm. Yeah, she's been going great in the WBBL. And, um, yeah, it's been nice to see her uh, bat in the middle and also open the batting. So, you know, I know there's... Um, you know, we've used it through the middle and, and just to have that, that power at the at the back end of innings. And I think it showed in the... Uh, in the WBBL, I think they've, from from memory, I think they won four out of six games with her batting in that position. So uh, it's pretty, you know, special to be able to, you know, if you can get off to a good start, to then have Sophie walk in, and, and I guess that's 
the way we're trying to play is be really confident up front, uh, get us off to a good start, and then also have Sophie walk in. And, and, you know, that's the way we're looking to play at the moment. What about the amount of cricket that uh, the the women are playing now? It's one thing. It, it, it really is a feature. It's more televised games, more games, a higher degree of professionalism. In terms of looking after these players and allowing them to be able to perform at their best day in, day out, that that's probably a, a new challenge. Yeah, look, and it's, it's one that we've had for a little while. And, um, you know, someone like Sophie Devine, uh, for instance, is... You know, it's gone 100 in, in June or July, straight to CPL, straight to South Africa, hops off the plane, goes straight from South Africa to Perth, straight to here in, in the next day or so. So, yeah, it, it is a challenge and, and keeping them up and making sure that they're ready to go in important events, but also the fact that, you know, every time you play for New Zealand, it's important. So, um, yeah, it is, it is a bit of a balance to, to get them right. And I guess with T20s, um, there is a chance to, to try different combinations because um, you know, it's not really for points. Uh, obviously, you want to win each game and you want to put a really strong team out there, whereas the ODIs is, is for championship points to qualify for World Cup. So there is an opportunity sometimes in T20 to, to use that format of the game to, to look at combinations and also the fact that you know we've got a T20 World Cup. That's our next you know, pinnacle event. So we, we want to figure out our, our best 11 and, and also our best squad. So... Um, you know, we will often try to use T20s that way, but you know, at the top of mind always is is trying to win matches and, and put a balanced team out there. But within that, you know, maybe muck around with a few combinations from time to time. And I love the fact if you're looking looking to to uh, you know find your your best eleven, you've got someone that maybe maybe New Zealand cricket have been shying away from was looking past, but she's forced her way back into the side. Leah Tahu. Yeah, look, uh, you know, I think it was publicised that she obviously got let go there from contracts and um, yeah, look, when I, I came on board I, you know, I've seen Leah for a number of years I guess as an opposition coach and, and saw her value and look you know we, we we actually just spent a little bit of time doing a bit of a deep dive into our bowling and um, since the Commonwealth Games when I came on board and um, yeah look even just in the power play I think Leah's bowled something like 22 overs and oh, we've taken 22 wickets sorry in the power play and she's taken 15 of them so uh, from a quick's perspective. So she is crucial for us up front and uh, see the work that she's she's putting in and, and she wants to, to go on and, and to be available for, you know, definitely the next World Cup and maybe even the one after that. And, and she's doing everything right to do that. But more importantly, she's just performing really well at the moment and she's demanding a spot. So, yeah, I'm really happy that, um, yeah, she's come through all that and, um, yeah, she's going so well. Another player, I guess, that, that, that may be in a similar spot to where Leah was is Lee Kasparik. Um, I know she's leading this New Zealand 11 team that played the warm-up game for Pakistan. She's got really good numbers domestically with the bat and with the ball. How far away is she? And, and what sort of conversations have you had with her about what you want to see? Yeah, look, I'm happy to share because I've been really, I think I've been really upfront and honest with Lee around where she's at. So when we toured the subcontinent in Sri Lanka, she was part of that squad and, and we obviously just the conversation that you just had with me around three spinners, we think that's really important. So when we go to the subcontinent, we need to take four uh, as a bit of a replacement. So look, Fran, Jonas and, and Eden have been outstanding for us with the numbers, but but Lee is pushing it really hard. And I actually had a chat with Lee the other day that, you know, I think um, there's a huge chance that she's going to be on that plane for Bangladesh. So um, yeah, she's in no way out of, you know, out of the picture. And, 
and we brought her to the last subcontinent tour we had. And um, so, yeah, she knows exactly where she stands for us. She's got some NZ11 games this week. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But obviously we've got a series against England where we actually have uh, the full White Fern squad and also an NZA uh, team playing against an England A. So there's opportunities there to perform. And, and then, you know, World Cup later in the year. So, um, yeah, look, I can see Lee pushing really hard for a spot and being on that plane for Bangladesh. And, and she knows the road ahead for that. You want to win a World Cup, you got to beat Australia, who, quite frankly, <clears throat> are head and shoulders generally yep. above the rest. What do you have to do to, to to be able to beat them? Where do you see the, the development and the improvements required in your squad? Yeah, it's funny you ask that question because it's exactly the, the picture we've put up in in terms of a presentation we've done. And, and look, we're, we're trying to be, especially with the ball, um, you know, Australia's, I think, strength comes from their batting depth. You know, they've got someone like Jess Jonathan in their T20 team that's got a Test Match 100 and she bats at 10. So it's just one after the other that keeps coming in. So we've really spoken about being really aggressive and trying to take wickets. I think that's the only way that you're going to compete with an Australian team because if we, if we just look to get off to a safe start, um, you know, it's going to be too hard to beat them and they'll just keep coming at you with power at the back end. So to do that with the ball, we, we've got to be prepared to maybe leak a few runs, but... Um, you know, I'm not sure if we can contain them and I'm not sure many countries in the world can contain them, but we can if we constantly look to push the take wicket. So that's our objective with the ball. And then with the bat, yeah, we've, again, it's the same thing. We have to be aggressive. We have to trust one another. But if it's not my day, it's, it's the next person's day. And, and look, at times, that means we're going to get bowled out for 90 or 100. And, you know, because we're trying to push to get big scores and, and the conversations we've had... Uh, with the players is, you know, are you able to, you know, I guess we stand a bit of media criticism, you know, when you get knocked over or things like that. But if you're looking to play aggressively, then then we're going to back you each and every time. And, and at times that means we're going to look poor, um, but we have to start doing that. And, and just, you know, getting 130, 140 and maybe having a nice defeat, um, you know, I want those days to end. So um, we're going to have good days and bad days doing this, but I think that's the only way we're going to beat the top countries in the world. So you do you do describe prescribe to it's a power game. If if you're going to be one of the best in the world, you have to be able to play a power no. game. Because yeah, you know one one thing I love about um, working on mm. on the women's game is that sometimes six runs off the final over and it's still game on. And so singles yeah. and and run pr- production can be really important. Oh, and mate, it's whatever way you can you can achieve that. So you know, I'll give you an example. We speak about you know ideally trying to get 40 off the last four, but that might mean that you've got a number seven or eight batter in there that, that needs to work on getting a Sophie on strike. So everyone has their role to play in that. You know, not everyone can clear the rope, but, you know, I often say to the girls, if you can get two runs off every ball, you're going to be the world's greatest T20 team ever. Like you're going to get 240, and, and that might mean hitting into a gap and running hard. So um, I know it's a really simple way to look at it, but, yeah, if you can get two off a ball, you're, you're really, you know, productive for us. So... Um, there's lots of different ways to do it, um, but we just need to be able to, to back our strengths, but more importantly, just, just keep pushing really hard and, and, and not trying to just, I guess, build an innings and you know leave it to somebody else. If it's your day, we need you to keep going, but also if it's not, um, that's fine. We're going to trust that the next person can do it. Um, not, not just standing up top, I guess, and um, yeah, maybe building an innings and waiting overs to do it. Um, we need to get in there straight away because, again, Australia and England and these teams are posting scores of 200. So um, it's 
it's just becoming more common practice. Ben Sawyer with us, the coach of the White Ferns, and Ben, uh, you, you, we talk about uh, Sophie Levine at the start, and the uh, and the Oval being renamed after her for a three hundredth cap. But she's also the second highest scorer in the WBBL this year with four hundred and eighty nine runs for the Perch, Perth Scorchers. Uh, Merely Kerr is going to miss uh, the the first game against Pakistan because she's in the final. We had another couple of players in the semis as well. How do you view the WBBL? I mean, is that a Necessary evil is not the right word. I mean, the more players you got playing in it, I, I, I suppose the better for you, right? Because that means we've got players that are achieving a higher standard. Yeah, look, that's that's my opinion, too. And and you know, we we sat down months ago with with this issue and knew that there could be one clash with one game. And um, yeah, look, we uh, you know, there's good financial rewards for our players, but more importantly, there's experience and it's big time cricket. So you know, it was obviously a draft. Um, sort of like an auction this year for them and, and to give our players the best chance of, you know, being selected and, and being part of those teams. Uh, we told them that they could inform their clubs that if they did make the final, that, that they would be available for that game. And I'm comfortable with that because we've known that for months and, and we've got plans in place for that. So, you know, we uh, I've had people and, and been on interviews before where they've spoken about, you know, World Cup experience and big game experience and maybe we haven't performed as well well. You know, I think having experience of, of winning a WBBL final and being in that is only going to add to that. So, yeah, look, I'm comfortable with, with one T20 match um, and also because we planned for it. And, you know, I'm really happy and pleased that, that Millie's going to get that opportunity. So, um, yeah, I think the experience, I think the fact that it gives somebody else an opportunity to play against Pakistan and, and push our teams, there's going to be days where Millie's going to be injured and we're going to have to play without her. So, um yeah, I'm comfortable with that position and I'm happy in the fact that, that she gets that experience to play in that final. What sort of challenges Pakistan bring? Yeah, I think uh, watching the NZ11 and doing the scouting on them, I think their top order um, is difficult to get out. I think they put a high value on their wicket. Um, uh, I think they can get stuck a little bit in terms of some lengths if we can we can push the ball up to them. But uh, And then obviously they've got a really good spin attack. So you've just said that you know spin has been good in Super Smash and and they've named a number of spinners in their squad, so that'll be a challenge for us. But, um, yeah, look, they performed well against the NZ11 the other day, and, um, yeah, it'll be a challenge for us. Obviously, a, a huge summer, I think, for New Zealand cricket in general, uh, with it being on, firstly, SCNZ, but free to hear <laughs> coverage on TVNZ. That, that's massive, isn't it? So, you know, are, are you feeling maybe this is a little bit of extra pressure because there is a chance to really grow the audience uh, and and that'll take good performances to do that as well. Uh, look, honestly, not pressure, and it's probably a bit of a cliche, but it's just really exciting that um, you know the girls are going to get that that opportunity to you know show the whole country on free to air TV just how good they are, and and that's how we're approaching it. That it's another opportunity to to you know show people your skills and put that on play. So you know that's the way we're looking at it. Um, I don't think the girls are going to feel any extra pressure from that, but just a huge opportunity to keep pushing the game forward and um, like you said it's there's often very exciting matches that, that come down the last overs and things like that in women's cricket and um, I think everyone's going to enjoy watching it on TV Ben thanks very much for your time this morning mate really appreciate it uh, good luck on Sunday with that first game and uh, we look forward to having the coverage here on SENZ no, thanks heaps and thanks for your support uh, anytime, mate. Anytime. Yes, Dunedin's University of Otago Oval renamed the Susie Bates Oval for Sunday as well. You had anything named after you, Mark? <laughs>
No. The doghouse, maybe? <laughs> no, I'm thinking if, the, if it's the University of Otago Oval, then surely, and if they're going to name the University of Otago Oval after Susie Bates, mm. they should give her an honorary degree as well, shouldn't they? Yeah. That's from, the, from the university. Yeah. Maybe she's already got one. She might have a degree. I'm not sure. She, so I think she's pretty smart. Yeah. Probably smarter than me. <laughs> Smarter than me as well. Might might not be a long bow to draw though. That, that I'd say what, she she knows where to place herself to get the most catches. Yes, she does that. She does that. So <laughs> so maybe it's a physics degree. Is that what we're thinking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What well, manage, management degree? Management degree. Oh, Robbie's got something. Robbie. Uh, she's got a bachelor of physical education at the University of Otago. Apparently, oh, right. There you go. Well, give her another degree. Well, make make it a yeah. Step it up. Make it a doctorate. Yeah. Yeah, Doctor Bates. <laughs> Here we go. Sounds like a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> that was Patrick Bateman, wasn't it? American Psycho? Yeah. Is that what you're thinking of? Yeah. yeah. Do- Dr. Bates. Dr. Bates. Here we go. Uh, yeah, appreciate Ben sort of coming on uh, just after the naming of his team. It is 8.23. We have still got more cricket chat to come with George Worker out of the Aces. Paul Mawadi not too far away either. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse keeping you healthy this spring. It's just gone 8.30 here on SENZ. It is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast, and it is time to catch up with our good friend from the TAB, Paul Mawadi. You can check out the Grand Tour Hub at tab.co.nz. Bet safely, R18. Morning, Paulie. How you doing? Well, probably a lot better than you, Ricardo, after Galatasaray uh, snuck one in the back of the net to make it three all. Um, of course, the boys put out a boosted market um, pre-match on Bruno Fernandes to score and Man U to win. And things were looking rosy uh, at about the 70-minute mark. Um, but since then, Galatasaray have scored at three all in that big, big UEFA Champions League match. And um, those punters who did back that uh, that boosted odds market are hoping that Man U can uh, get one in an injury time and come away with a victory, as I'm sure you're hoping will happen as well, Ricardo. Well, Bruno Fernandes has just hit the crossbar, Mark, so uh, anything could happen. Well, I, I say hats off to TAB because you guys had these guys pretty even on the odds, didn't you? Mm, it was and t- that's how it's panning out. Yep, that's exactly what I think, uh, man, you were slight favourites before kickoff, around 250, 240, and um, Galatasaray were around 270. So, yeah, and it's turned out, I guess, maybe the, the weather has brought the two teams slightly closer together, Ricardo. Yeah, it's been, they had a lot of rain there, mate, Paulie. I, I did say to Mark, I, uh, I I actually managed to win some money off a tip at Kempe's the other uh, yesterday, uh, which didn't happen every day, um, as you know. Uh, and I thought <laughs> oh, I might reinvest that, and I thought about putting it on United to win at two dollars fifty, and I went, oh no, nah, if I back us to win, we we we, we won't, so I'll stay off it. And I thought I was, I thought my logic was sound when we were three one up, but it hasn't turned out that way. <laughs> <laughs> such as the fickle nature of uh, professional sports. Um, and talking of teams that are evenly balanced, uh, the first test match between uh, Bangladesh and the Black Caps, mm. uh, well, the bookies, we can't separate them at the moment. Bangladesh $1.92, Black Caps $1.92. The draw is now out to $17.50. Uh, of course, we head into day three uh, later on this afternoon uh, here with the Kiwis still a couple of wickets in hand in their first innings. Uh, and the boys have put out a market here, New Zealand, to have a first innings lead, uh, boosted from 3.18 out to 3.75. Uh, I guess the question is, and hopefully uh, Mark can help listeners out here, is can Kyle Jamieson and Tim Salvey um, get the New Zealand innings through to a lead uh, on the morning 
uh, of the third day in the shed. What what will the pitch be playing like, uh, Riga? Well, it should be all right now. Kane Williamson was talking about it starting to deteriorate, which scares me from a New Zealand perspective because New Zealand has to bat last on it. So if you've got to bat last, you preferably you want a few runs in the bank. You want to get in front and lead on the first inning. So New Zealand, I, I feel, if I was setting the odds, that New Zealand is quite a wee way behind in this game right now. Oh, so Bangladesh would be a wee bit of value then at a dollar ninety two. If, and I, I agree, um, you don't want to be batting last um, and with a significant deficit uh, over on the subcontinent. So um, there have been a few nibbles on Bangladesh in that head-to-head market at a dollar ninety two, but um, the amount of action we took on the Black Caps prior to the game uh, and on the first two days. Um, means that uh, Bangladesh are a fairly good result for us at the moment, even though we're starting to take a wee bit of money their way. What about uh, Otaki today, mate? There's some uh, races going around there. You got uh, you got much for us on on that front? Anything you're looking at? <laughs> you, just, you just want me to tip something out so you can put a line through it, Ricardo. <laughs> I know exactly. I know exactly what you're doing here. Um, I've had a look here. I can tell you. There's a two-year-old race, uh, race three at Ortucky today. Uh, the vet's on Riverbank, two-year-old. Uh, it's over the 1,100 metres. Uh, and I can tell you, the market is dominated by the two at the top of the page there, uh, the Benner Winyard uh, gelding, full force, $3.50 into $2.20. Um, and the uh, Tiako uh, uh, Colt, Number two, knowledge is power, five fifty into three dollars and sixty cents. So, if the money's anything to go by, it looks like it will be somewhat of a match race between those two at the top. there, full force and knowledge is power. Knowledge is power uh, sounds the, like something you'd back, Rig, based on the name. <laughs> knowledge is power. Yeah, I don't have much power. It's <laughs> <laughs> evidenced by the way my career's been going over the last year or so. So, what's that suggesting? I don't have much knowledge either. Just... Look, don't forget the well uh, uh, starts later on this uh, today, uh, and it's played at the Australian Golf Club and the yeah. Lakes Golf Club, and it's the men and the women's Australian Open. And I'm, I think I'm fairly sure that when when I say the brother and sister combination, both favourites to win the Australian Open playing at the same time, at the same courses, uh, this will be the first time ever in world golf that this would have happened. Minji Lee is the favourite to win the Australian Women's Open at $3.20, and her brother, Min Woo Lee, uh, who's coming off that Australian PGA win last weekend, is favourite to win the Australian Men's Open at $6.50. So that'll be very, very interesting to watch. Having a look at the Kiwis, uh, the best of the Kiwis on the men's side uh, looks like Daniel Hillier at $51 uh, to win the Aussie Open. He's the best of the Kiwis. And on the women's side, I'm just looking down here, uh, Momoka Kabori, I can see she's at $51. But a lot of action on Minji Lee at $320. Uh, Hannah Green, who's on the third line of Benning at 850 has also seen some support. Uh, there's a defending champion, the South African, Ashley Buhai, at $16. Um, and Jenny Shin, at $17, also had a bit of support. But Minji Lee, very well back to win the Australian Women's Open. Can you take the double? Can you go for the Lees? 
Yes, you sure can. In fact, I'll I'll put it in a bet slip right now, and I'll tell you what it's barn. Uh, where are we? Where are we? That one. Should be history. Golf. Steam coming out of Paul's ears, I can hear it. Yeah, 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 you know, you know it. (laughs) Here we go, hold on, here we go. Min Woo and and Min Ji. That comes out at $20.80. That is good coin. You backing it, Rick? I I, I reckon that's, I'd I'd, I'd want a little bit more than that, because that's history. That would never, ever, ever have been done. In the history of golf, would it, brother, brother, brother and sister to win the same, to win their national open in the same event? Yeah, that would be that yeah. would be. Awesome. How much more than twenty bucks do you want? <laughs> I'd at least fifty on that. <laughs> okay, fifty. Paul, can you can you sort that out as a boosted, please, and, and then I'll just keep Rigger happy. I thought we got rid of these things when Kempy went to Fiji. No, 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 no chance, hey. mate. No chance. These, these crazy requests, oh no, full-time, three-all, man, you Galatasaray. Not a good morning for you, Ricardo. No, it is, and on that note, we should sign off. Paul, thanks very much for all the uh, be, being the bringer of good tidings. Uh, check out all the odds, promos, and boosted odds at the TAB Tour Hub at tab.co.nz. Bet safely, R18. It is 17 away from 9 on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. We'll catch up with Smithy before 9 o'clock right now, though. Uh, we're going to talk more cricket, a chat brought to you by Forsyth Bar, uh, because uh, uh, straight out of the Auckland Aces and Forsyth Bar as well is George Worker, and he joins us on the phone this morning. Good morning. How you doing, George? Good morning, guys. Yeah, very well, thank you. How are you? Well, I've missed the morning meeting at work, George, to, to be yeah, here to speak really, to you this yeah, morning. Yeah. Yeah, missing the markets this morning. Yeah. So if I get in trouble, make, like, I'll, make, I'll blame it on you. <laughs> yeah, sweet. So um, you, you've started a little bit better. I guess, what are you? You, you won from two in the, the Ford Trophy. You had a, a dodgy old start to the Plunkett Shield, but you must be feeling pretty good after uh, the last game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Obviously, it's always nice to get that first win under the belt. Um, it's been a challenging start to the season, to say the least. Um yeah, we weren't weren't at our best over the over the first um, group of four day games, and it was nice to nice to get a win yesterday to hopefully change a bit of momentum. And Phil Allen, I I can remember talking to you earlier on actually, just um, you know when we were sitting together and at work there saying he's he's a hell of a hell of a, a grab for the Aces this season, and he certainly came came good in this last one. Yeah, yeah, yesterday, in fact, he showed a glimpse of it um, on Saturday too when we played Otago. We actually lost down there, but, but yesterday was, um, yeah, geez, it was good watching. It was phenomenal hitting. It was really clean, and it was um, it was all around the ground, 360 degrees, and, and the way he just carried on throughout the innings and basically finished the job off for us, um, yeah, yeah, it was a bloody phenomenal innings. Great to watch. Got to, it got to be uh, an interesting start to the season when you play away in Southland against Otago and then bring them back here to play game one, game two. Uh, sort of a bit of a quirk of the draw. Would you like to see that throughout the rounds of the four trophy, just home and away, home and away against everybody until you're done? Uh, yeah, I mean, pretty interesting scheduling, if I'm honest. We you know, we flew all the way down to, down to Invercargill on Friday, play Saturday, flew all the way back on Sunday, and then obviously the Otago guys had to do the same. So, I mean, 
I don't know how costly that game was down in Invercargill just for one game. I don't know whether it would have been better to just play a double header down there this year and then we maybe play a double header back up in Auckland next year to make it easier. But um, yeah, I mean, home and away is great, but um, yeah, interesting scheduling going all the way down there for one game. Mate, don't deny those Otago boys their chance to come up to the big smoke. I love it. <laughs> Stay in a flash no, no, hotel we'll, somewhere? No, they'd, they'd rather be up here for the week. <laughs> I'm looking at the at, at recent Ford trophies actually and it goes you win it, someone else wins it, you win it, someone else wins it, you win it, someone else wins it. So I guess you're due to win this year. What is it for Auckland, sorry? Yeah, yeah, the Aces. So it's you win every second year. So you go back to 2017, Aces win it, then Wellington win it, then the next year you guys oh, wow. win it again, then Canterbury win it, then you win it, and Central Stags won it last year. So going by that, it's yours. Give it to you now. Oh, well, we'll take that. We'll certainly take that, Rigger. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, sometimes there's a little bit of a change of format. We've had a bit of a rough start in the four days, a change of format and freshen things up, and um, it's obviously nice having Finn back at the top of the order, and um, the moment, the, you know, the, probably the stage we're at with our squad, the white ball suits us a little bit better. So, um, yeah, just something fresh. And um, but yeah, if we can, if we can make our way to the the top sort of two or three, and then um, challenge for the finals, well, um, I'm sure we'll take that. Is there a premier trophy in New Zealand domestic first class cricket? Super Smash Plunkett Shield Ford Trophy? Yeah, Plunkett Shield. It's got to be got to be Plunkett Shield. It's the toughest to win. Um, probably involves the whole squad for the for the whole season. You know, it's not just the eleven players. It's you know you're continuously having to use the the wider squad members, and, and you know you obviously deal with more injuries throughout the season with you know the bowlers, and um, so it takes a bigger a bigger squad. Whereas I think that 2020 campaign especially can be dominated by one or two players. You know, if someone someone leads the run charts and just smashes the comp. Yeah, it goes a long way to the winning the competition, whereas someone can do that in the four days, but you know you still continuously have to take 20 wickets each game. So I think everyone still appreciates winning the four-day title as, as, the, as the pinnacle. Um, that's certainly where the hard work goes, and um, you, you enjoy having a beer probably more after a four-day win than, than a 2020 win for sure. How about uh, the the talent that's coming through, mate? I mean, you've 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 been playing in this domestic comp for a while, and and, and we're seeing um, some some players sort of tr- on the on the fringes of that black cap setup. But I, I mean, I looked at that test squad that's playing Bangladesh at the moment. Only three of them are under thirty. Uh, what is the talent like coming through that you're seeing that you're playing in week out, week out? Yeah, yeah, that's right. We're sort of probably in, at an interesting stage with with that black caps team where. Um, yeah, as you say, guys are sort of coming to the last probably, I don't know, two, three, three years of their career, and um, there's probably going to be some really good opportunities for the younger guys coming through. But um, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a great pool of players still. I think um, there's still a lot of cricket probably needed at that first class level to get that experience before they can make the step up. When you know you've got the guys like Finn and obviously Ratchin who just bloody dominated that World Cup. Um, so. You're still going to have a few of those guys probably hang around for a little bit longer, the likes of Tommy Latham and, and things. But, um, yeah, there is a good crop. Um, probably like to see a little bit more, um, you know, from a batting perspective. I mean, around the traps, you look at Finn Allen and Ratchin, but apart from those two, um, I don't really see anyone really dominating the domestic level, ready to make the step up at the moment. So um, I think a little bit more 
you know, time is needed for these guys at, at domestic cricket to really sort of make their mark. Well, I think we need some some quicks to to, um, to to you know come to the fore as well. I know there's a there's a healthy dose of of youngish sort of fast bowlers around, but someone needs to go head and shoulders and and smash the door down because we are actually getting a bit of a change in the guard when it comes to New Zealand fast bowlers. It's a, it's a fairly yeah, aged yeah, attack. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, no, you're right, Riga. And and to be honest, I mean, you've got a young guy like Ben Sears who's been bowling bowling really well, along with um, Nathan Smith down in Wellington. He's he's a great bowler. But I just don't know. Who wants to bowl fast these days? I just, these young guys really want to do it. I'm not sure. Um, but you're right. There's not a there's not a massive crop of young young bowlers. We've got some great spinners around the country, some young young spinners coming through, the likes of Eddie Ashok in Auckland. But... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Rig. I'm not sure who wants to really put in that put in that mahi and bowl quick. <laughs> you still enjoying the game? You've been around for a bit. Of course, you've you've got this opportunity with with myself at Forsyth Bar, and I must let people know that I'm technically sort of your boss because you were my advisor <laughs> assistant. Uh, and and, and yeah, Olivia's come up. Girls. She's come up from Dunedin, and and she's a lot prettier than you, which is which is great. <laughs> but you know, how are you enjoying your, your cricket? Will this this be the last season? You reckon? Oh, I'm not too sure, Riga. I'm still really enjoying it. I'm sort of taking each season as it goes. Um, and I think the day I sort of want to stop getting better and, and turn up to, to games, you know, probably wanting wanting it to rain, is probably the day, I, the day I give up. It's sort of, I'm really enjoying the cricket aspect of it. Sometimes um, spending a lot of time on the road and you know, different hotel rooms and that, that sort of thing gets a little bit tiring. But um, I'm still really enjoying the cricket aspect cricket aspect of it and, and trying to give back to the younger players and, and try and help those younger batters coming through Auckland at the moment so that still um, yeah that still gives me good pleasure mm. yeah alright so taking taking the first ball of a of a of a Plunkett Shield match or the cover of Metro magazine mate what, you, what are you going for? <laughs> Plunkett Shield every day of the week yeah. or, or sticking it all on Bitcoin <laughs> or, or, or into the market the full size uh, yeah, yeah that's right beautiful George hey listen mate thanks very much for coming on this morning and best of luck against the Cantabs this weekend eh yeah, pleasure thanks guys good to chat and see you tomorrow night rigor at the um, at the Christmas party oh yes you're making it for that well oh, we're, yeah. Yeah. we're very oh, lucky you're making the effort oh, to well, come and see us again sounds like it's going to be dangerous uh, seven away from nine <laughs> Well, it's a couple of minutes away from 9 o'clock, and uh, that means we're just about getting ready to hand over to uh, the doyen, Ian Smith. Good morning, Smithy. you got Rigger in the studio with me. Oh, Rigger. Guys, Rigger, they... Rigger, how are you? How are you, boy? All right? Yeah, I'm good. How's the World Cup? I must. I watched a lot of it, and I had dreadful FOMO. Yeah, it was uh, everything that you, you would imagine. Uh, you, you've played cricket in India. You know what the enthusiasm is like over yeah. there. So to, to cop it for, you know, there was a game every day, to, so to just see how... It, Went around that country and the, the uh, you know the the interest that attracted, particularly with India playing so well for so long, it was just phenomenally good. And you love the final, mate, because you're a great one at uh, trying to shut authority up. And the Australians certainly did that, although you, you didn't want Australia to win, did you? No, I deny. I have what I think is a very unhealthy hatred of Australian cricket. It probably is. It's probably a little un, unhealthy. But I thought India going through unbeaten would have been a fantastic uh, achievement. Yeah, they they're a terrific side, and they just they got out thought, and I think the pressure got to them on the day. And yeah. as soon as you got early wickets, which no one could do, 
uh, they were under pressure because they no one really asked numbers six, seven, and eight to do any batting, and of course when they needed it they couldn't couldn't front with it. So we're gonna we're gonna stay on the cricket theme today, uh, gentlemen. We're gonna start uh, with Jess Kerr. I noticed you were just uh, interviewing the the coach of uh, the White Ferns. So uh, yeah, very important series, and, and I like the opportunity. Uh, I, I don't mind that Amelie uh, Kerr and. Sophie Devine out there for the first game. I think it's time we found out just mm. how good some of the others are. They dominate all the score sheets. Mm. Time to find out. So we'll talk to Jess.